0: Knockback is brought to you by thousands of supporters on Patreon at patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand. If you want to show your support for Knockback, as well as CLS's PlayStation podcast Sacred Symbols, the eclectic interview series Fireside Chats, and the YouTube gaming series SideQuest, please consider going to Patreon and pledging for a monthly amount that makes the most sense for you. Your Patreon support doesn't only ensure that CLS continues to produce the content you love, like Knockback, but you can get cool perks, too, depending on your level of support. You can get early access to each episode of Fireside Chats, Sacred Symbols, and Knockback, totally ad-free. You can vote for show topics and provide feedback to be read on air. You can listen to exclusive podcasts only available to patrons, and much more. Your support is essential if Colin's Last Stand is to continue well into the future, so please consider showing some love. Again, that's patreon.com slash Stand. Thank you for your kindness, generosity, and support. Without you, CLS wouldn't exist. But enough of that. On to the show. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Colin's Last Stand. Knockback. My name is Colin Moriarty. Today I'm joined by my brother, the memory meister, Dagan Moriarty.
1: Hi, guys.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would you make yourself you. laugh by saying, hey, Thank guys? Thank you,
1: like, but no, because you said I have a good memory. Yeah, you do. You, it's slipping.
0: Well, you're getting old. Let's just be honest about that.
1: <sighs> I'll be perfectly honest with you.
0: It happens. I happen to surround myself with a few people that have extraordinary memories and are extraordinarily nostalgic. Ramon, my best friend, is like a vault. Really? Like, do you remember? Is he? Do you remember sophomore year, on November tenth when we? Oh, did and it's, the, and you know, and it's, it's not deep. quite that literal, but I make fun of him all the oh, time. Yeah. Like, how do you remember this shit? <laughs> These little details, yeah. right? But then he says that I, I'm the same way, so I don't know. But Dagan, today's topic. This is the final. I think we'll put them up in order. I'm not sure, but this is the final episode we're recording for Wave Four. And these are your topics, and you came up with the topic of childhood memories. Yes. And I think this is going to be a fun one. I want to do something a little different with it when we get into the topic, but before we do, we're doing something new this wave. Maybe we'll continue to do it in Wave 5 and beyond. I don't know. But in Wave 4, anyway, we're doing something called changing the Subject, Mm -hmm. when we discuss a non-sequitur, just briefly, that wouldn't otherwise get its own topic and its own shine on Knockback. So what's today's topic, Dagan?
1: Today, I thought I would talk about something that seems topical with a new movie out now, and that is Winnie the Pooh. Winnie the Pooh. What's your take on Winnie the Pooh? I don't know. Kind
0: of corny. I'd, yeah? I never really cared much for it. I don't... He's a very soft-spoken and meek bear.
1: Now, did you ever read or check out the, any of the books?
0: Possibly. I don't recall.
1: And then the Disney adaptations, which are very different.
0: I don't know the source material. I, I'm sure that I probably had when I was a kid. Okay. I flipped through them, but never appealed to me as an IP, yeah.
1: Interesting. I think... I get very confused now, but I think... Between you and Allie being little, but I think you had a Winnie the Pooh picture book that we would read to you, which was like a fully illustrated the Disney iteration. You know, the classic bear with the red shirt that doesn't quite fit and rabbit and Eeyore and all the characters, but not the children's books, the classic children's books iterations, but the Disney versions, which are so different. And I always wondered why they were so different. If we were doing a Winnie the Pooh topic, I would have researched that. But this is wonderful because we don't have to research anything.
0: I know. This is awesome. I just, we just, talk, we we just, just whatever
1: your impression we is we and throw that's
0: Win- it. Just throw Winnie the Pooh in the garbage yeah. now where he belongs. <laughs>
1: what it- this Christopher Robin movie is supposedly really uh, pulling some heartstrings. Really? Yeah. Everybody's like, I cried.
0: I couldn't even really tell you what Winnie the Pooh was actually about. Like, it, I know it's about a bear that likes honey and fucks around with his friends, but I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's all it is. That's the, like, you know what? Yeah, on, on, if you're watching cable, you have like the little write up at the bottom and it's like Winnie the Pooh, 1981. A bear who loves honey fucks around with his friends in the woods.
1: <laughs> I don't even I don't even know if I know the full story of it, to be honest with you, but Christopher Robin's a kid, and I guess the Winnie the Pooh character are his fantasy world? I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong
0: about that. It's a weird fantasy. So it's Oh, you mean fantasy and... world he's a child. I see. Yeah, I see it's just childhood <laughs> world and, grow, I, I guess,
1: themes about growing up and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, it's cool. I, I, if you're into it, more power to you. I, I never really quite understand. I can hear his meek voice in my head very the voice clearly. voice is great. Yeah, it is. It is great. It's like a very... You can't hate Winnie. He the almost Pooh.
1: sounds like an old man.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, like like I can't even do. I can't even really properly do it. I don't have like the inflection to do it. So
1: not even enough to have a favorite Winnie the Pooh, ca- Pooh character.
0: I don't even like Tigger. I what, You what's, know Tigger. Who Tigger, is? Tigger is the tiger, right? Eeyore yeah. is like the, the. What is he? A donkey? Yeah. That and is then tail, there's one other ones. one. Rabbit. Rabbit. Owl. Owl. Piglet. Piglet. That's the one I'm thinking of. Piglet. I believe
1: you would say that's Winnie's best friend.
0: Ah, I see. That's an unusual combination. You think the bear would want to eat the pig? Yeah, the piglet. The piglet. Well, even better. He's a fetal pig. Well,
1: let's... like we dissected in sixth grade science class. Did
0: you? I don't we remember did. doing that. I di- I remember dissecting a frog, and then my lab partner took the pieces and threw them in the down the stairway in Bellport High School. Oh my god! And like they landed on people. <laughs>
1: That's horrifying. Got, yeah,
0: I remember that very well. I remember? Really? Hitting, I Remember who it is? I won't say who it is, but I remember. I remember who it was. Yeah. Oh, the frog. Yeah, dissecting the frog. And all yeah, we di-
1: we started with fetal pigs. Makes sense. Jump right from the, forget the earthworm, let's just make these yeah. kids dissect baby pigs.
0: It's kind of cool that you get to do that, but it is a little disconcerting, I guess, at the same time. You get to learn a little bit about the Leave it biology. to us
1: to take Winnie the Pooh into that territory.
0: Enough say, Winnie the Pooh. I'd say, yeah. That, that's I'm actually th- aggravated that I chose this. Yeah, time. me too. Uh, I gotta be honest with you, I am too. Now, Dagan, <laughs> you brought up childhood memories, and I wrote down a series of them, but I actually want to do something a little different for this episode before we get into, like, discussing this stuff I want to actually do the inverse of what we usually do and read all of the questions and comments we got from the audience first because I think that way that's fun we will be able to spin off of our own stories on there and also hear some of the shit they have to say that way we're not redundant at the end if someone's like do you have something like this and we had already talked about it I just think it's makes more sense in this context no
1: that's awesome this is one of the by, by the way I'm not pandering to you guys this is one of my favorite parts of the show is hearing everybody's feedback and questions and what they have to say I love it and Kyle do you mind if I just shout out to somebody no please my friend EJ who listens to our show and loves it. And he sent me a very nice DM. A lot of you guys take the time to correspond with me, and I really appreciate it, and I love all you guys. And I take the time to read, and I try to be as responsive as I can. But EJ sent me a particularly nice message, and I just want to give him a special shout and um, say, I hope you're feeling good and everything's well with you, and thank you for taking the time to get in touch.
0: Appropriately vague. I like that kind (laughs) of stuff. Now, For those that don't know or are uninitiated to knockback, basically if you support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash CollinsLastStand, you can get every episode of the show ad-free and one week before they go to public feed, so you get a week early access. And by the way, that spreads all of these perks, or most of them spread across all my shows. So SideQuest, my video game show on YouTube, Sacred Symbols, the Internet's number one PlayStation podcast, and Fireside Chats, the Eclectic Interview series, you get perks joining patreon.com slash stand for all of them. So there's a lot of bang for your buck there. But if you support us at the $2 level or higher, you get early knowledge of the topics we're going to talk about in the next wave. And then you can submit questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas for all of them or one of them or some of them. And you guys did that in droves for this wave. We got more questions for wave four than any other. I Probably for then, I would say, the other three waves combined. So we got quite a bit of feedback on the childhood memories one. And again, I want to just... I want to just see what you guys have to say. So these are actually in order that you submitted them. They're not even in any order cool. other than that. Usually I kind of spread them around based on what we're talking about. Right. So this let's see what, we'll see what people have to say. Okay. Alex Ball says, because of the big age gap between you two and the rest of your siblings, did you ever have a giant family vacation with everyone when you guys were younger? When Colin was younger, I should say, since he's the youngest. So what he's curious about, there's an 11-year distance between Dagan and I, and then my sister Dana is only a year and a half younger than Dagan, and Allie is six years older than me. So I'm... Yeah. The obvious mistake, although I was also the best thing that ever <laughs> happened to the Moriarty clan. So Supposedly,
1: we were all mistakes, and you were the only one
0: intended. Th- that's, wouldn't that be bizarre? They had <laughs> the, no, it would to make total sense to oh, I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But nonetheless, we do have this big and unusual age gap between the four of us, but we do all share the same parents, so it's, it is interesting. And I do remember going on a couple of vacations. One of them I want to talk about, and maybe we can get into it, which is the California trip in 1992. That's the first time we ever came here. But- my earliest memory of our, our vacationing together is we went several times, I think, to Disney World. Yes. And I remember that being a family affair. And I, for some reason, did we ever, I don't know if I'm making this up or this is a false memory, but did we ever stay in or dine in or something? This village in in, in trees? Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, it was Ewok Village. No, it was what the was it Treehouse
0: called? Villas. Treehouse. We stayed in that? Or? Yeah,
1: they were like condos that were sort of designed to look like treehouses. I but remember they were that. Like, you know they were like a full suite with the full kitchen and everything like that. They were nice, right on the golf course. They were, I think they're still down there. I was talking to Lean about that because we went to Disney's with the kids last year. Yeah, that was so... It's funny that you remember that because you were young. But you have actually memories of... Yeah, I mean,
0: I, remember, I, mean, I don't know how that would be a false memory. But I, rem- <laughs> I remember that. And it's funny you say Ewok Village because they probably will make it that now. Now oh, that, I didn't think of that. You know, to their new Star Wars yep, uh, yep. acquisition. Yep, yep. Yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs> I want, I want actually a, a sandcrawler hotel that just roves around the Disney lot. Dude, that yeah. would be amazing. You just don't know where it's going to be when you wake up in the morning? Great idea. Yeah. You know, I'm not fucking around. You guys Or maybe you, you
1: could stay somewhere, and you may or may not get kidnapped into the sand crawler. Sure. Be, yeah. You have to sign a waiver. Who knows where you're going to end up? You may end up somewhere. You know that would be cool. Hey, if you're a Star Wars fan, we should have an authentic Star Wars experience.
0: Hey, what are you trying to pull? Disney, give me a give me a call. <laughs> um, do you remember of uh, specific vacations that you that with all four of us? Well, six of us, I guess. I should that
1: say. one definitely. But not even to put a damper on it, but mom and dad got divorced when you were really little, so there wasn't that many memories of that. But you know what, though? I'll give you an upside to that. You missed the notorious Vermont vacations. Well, you might have been along for one of them, that's when dad would go a and, baby. That's when
0: dad would go to get, like, wood stoves. and
1: Yeah, so to <laughs> break it down for you guys briefly, because this isn't one of my memories, but it actually would have been funny if it was. My parents, we used to go up to Vermont in the summertime, which already seems counterintuitive, right? That's ski country. But it's actually quite beautiful up there. But my parents were fans of, you guys aren't even going to believe this when I tell you, Vermont Castings. They're famous for making wood-burning and coal-burning stoves.
0: These things weigh like a thou, literally a 1,000 pounds. My parents
1: were really, really big fans of this company. And they would have outings, Vermont casting outings, which I guess were weekends where everybody came and did, it was like an outdoor carnival, you know, pie-eating contest, whatever. And yeah, dad would enter the, the log-sawing contest, right? And actually won, by the way.
0: Is but. that how he got his stove?
1: No, I mean they already knew. They already knew. he didn't win it. I don't know uh, what he won, but like I remember a, yeah. it was like a tandem log sawing contest. With, you know, one guy was on the, one side yeah. of the saw. I don't know the style of saw.
0: And you remember it? Like I remember it very vividly. And he won. He took. Home he the, won.
1: He was like an animal <laughs> with this other lumberjack guy. Like you know, they had to do, you know. And <laughs> I remember the awesome. girls doing. The, I don't know if it was an ice cream or pie eating contest. I remember Dana and Allie doing that. And I remember Ben and Jerry's being up there somewhere in the vicinity and we stayed in this motel called, this is outside Montpelier, if anybody's familiar with that area up in Vermont, called the Brown Derby, which was like a, just a regular motel. But I remember they had a restaurant attached and they had delicious pancakes. But anyway, we always, we really teased mom and dad about it because it seemed like a very, it was a very odd vacation to take your family on, although we had fun, but we like to tease about, you know, the lukewarm soda and the Coke machines and the motel. And so you missed out on those. Because there were multiple outings up
0: there. It was know? a little different than the old Beth Page. Is that one of your oh, memories? Oh, my God. No, I didn't get into that Do you old want to Beth get into with... old Beth Page? Maybe broker? I will get
1: into that one today. Yeah. Maybe I will.
0: That's a treat. Oh, my for God. Every, for everyone. <laughs> Any... You guys, when you retell those stories, everyone's cracking up in the family <laughs> around the table and we're all together. <laughs> It was like this old colonial village on Long Island. <laughs> Maybe we will get into that. Yeah, well, you know, keep it it. appreciate it. Keep it in your cap for now. We can we can return to it. Do you remember though the California trip in '92? Yeah, very much so. I do too. That. What was, do you remember about that? I remember seeing three ninjas in the movie theater, and I remember buying Flack Viper, the GI Joe, oh, that's and funny. I think we went to Disneyland. Yeah, we did. So I I actually do quite remember that trip because I remember it being like so. There's almost an afterglow here, like a nuclear glow, that doesn't exist on the East Coast because it's so fucking sunny here all the time. Yeah. And I remember being quite struck by that, that it's like so bright here. How different it looks. Yeah. Maybe it's just a figment of my imagination, but it's just not like this where I'm from. No, there's a difference. So Large. I do remember that trip as well. But yeah, so and after that, I think that was the only family trip I truly remember going on with all of us. And that's... even then, mom wasn't involved, so it wasn't really all of us. Right, right, right. Yeah. So that's well a nice said. memory. Thanks that's for bringing a... it up. <laughs> Thanks for bringing it up, Alex. My parents got divorced. No big deal. (laughs) We move on. Jeshua Anderson says, I remember in the 80s, Nintendo had set up demo kiosks in all our malls. The kiosks had around 10 TVs, all connected to different NESs where you could sample and even buy any game. They were manned by some poor college kid who was there to switch out any game you wanted to demo but they inevitably ended up being glorified childcare stations with kids complaining other kids were taking too long. Did you guys have these? Okay. I vaguely, I mean, I do remember playing demo kiosks, but I don't remember this big setup, but do you remember these setups of big, I don't, that
1: sounds cool though, where you could try any game.
0: Yeah. Maybe not any of them, but maybe it was like, you know, you had a, a smorgasbord a, of a,
1: a variety to yeah. choose from,
0: you know, what, Kyle, how
1: do you, how does this, how do you remember this? Every demo unit I ever remember from the NES era on, I just remember being broken. You know, something was broken. A shoulder button was broken. The whole thing was broken. Nothing worked. Something was broken on it. One of the buttons was, you know, busted. I never remember any of them working. You know, I even today, if you go into Target, no, maybe today it's a little better with Target to have the Switch set up with the Joy-Cons and stuff. It actually works. But I remember everything from NES for some reason all the way through GameCube, I would say. No, and even Dreamcast and stuff. Nothing ever worked. It was always busted. Whether we went to Playworld or Toys R Us or whatever, the KB, everything seemed broken.
0: Yeah, the Dreamcast controller was notoriously easy to break, too. The shoulder buttons were awful. Anton K says, My favorite childhood memory is every summer riding bikes, meeting up with our friends, playing baseball, football, etc. My mom and dad would whistle when it was time to come home for dinner. It was super loud. And you said... Oh, I, you said he, so it's your dad. He put two fingers in his mouth to get it audible four blocks away. Nice. Heaven help us if we didn't hear the whistle. We would be grounded to our own yard for two days, but that didn't matter because our friends would just come over and play in our yard. <laughs> I love this. I like to think that people still play like this, but I just don't think that they do. It's
1: very different now with getting called in for dinner and stuff like that. It's just different. I have kids.
0: It's different. It's just not the same as it was. I mean, we've talked about this on previous episodes, Dagan, but I literally and I'm, I don't think I'm playing this up too much. I Even in my time in the 80s and 90s, I literally remember just not being around all day and no one had any idea where I was or what I was doing. I, re- I really do remember that. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting up and eating breakfast or whatever and like at nine or ten going and meeting up with your friends and you just were gone for eight or ten hours. You had right. Literally no fucking clue what I knew. No one had any idea. And I was eight, nine, ten. I wasn't like I was older.
1: No, you were a kid. You were a little kid. No, yeah. I know. It's so different now. You know what I chalk it up to, Kyle, if I might sort of put out a theory. I know in neighborhoods now when we grew up on our block, Almost everybody on the block, 98% of people in that neighborhood were all around the same age with kids all around the same age. In other words, kids of playing age. Could have been a variety of ages. Some of the kids might have been older, younger, but everybody on the block was around the same age and everybody had kids around playing age. Now, neighborhoods are different. You know, like I could say my neighborhood was built in the late, very late 80s and the people that, the generation of people that bought those houses, their kids are grown now you know, out of college and stuff like that of that age are mixed in with people that are younger and have kids of, you know, quote unquote playing age. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact of people are staying in their homes now. I think people are staying in their homes for a long time and the turnover is less. And also growing up, a lot of the stuff in the 70s when I was growing up, of my generation, those neighborhoods were being built and those, that land was being developed for the first time. So everybody was sort of, especially on Long Island, everybody was heading out from Brooklyn and western Long Island to eastern Long Island as it got developed. So everybody of the same age was going out. You know what I mean? And that meant people of the same age and kids of the same age. Now everything is so mixed with established neighborhoods and even with newer neighborhoods People not being able to afford it, people going into retirement communities, 55 and over, like mom and Larry are in. You know what I mean? So I think the dynamic, just the real estate dynamic is so different now and so varied. Where back then, when we were growing up, it was more regimented. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's an interesting theory. And I think that's part of it. I think the overprotectiveness is also part of it,
0: though. We were talking about how it's ironic that the outcomes seem to be, not that kids today today are great, but... The outcomes don't necessarily seem to be any better with this new parenting style and this new kind of reality. So you would think that you would give kids – I really do think you have to kind of give them some freedom and to get in trouble and to kind of find themselves in strange situations and explore and stuff like that. Maybe it's dangerous, but I'd like to think that I'd let my kids do that, but maybe not. And maybe a lot of it will come from the fact that other parents won't let their kids do that, and so they have no partner. Like, without – my trio of partners as a kid, which was my best friend growing up, Tim, and my friend Eric, and my friend Bryce, who basically lived in a triangle around our house. You can go out and to the left to get the Bryce, out and to the right to get the Eric, and down the street to get the Tim. Without those guys as like my partners and my wingmen, I don't know that I would have had the same experience. And I had different experiences with all of them. I mean, Tim and I had a very sports centric, a very active environment. You know, with Eric, it was we played D anD D and cards and gi joes and all that and with bryce it was music it was pool it was you know like jumping in the water and going to the beach and right without those different experiences i don't know
1: no you're right about that, that was, those were
0: formidable formidable experiences for me you know so tyson williams says i'm only 16 we're gonna get some interesting stuff here right wow here nice been following, following Kyle, first of all tyson it's good that you have an interest i think we've said this to you before another young person that listens to the show it's good that you have an interest in what has happened in the past a lot of 16 year olds wouldn't i love that a lot of sixteen year olds are dumb, Tyson. Tyson so, Williams so, says, I'm only sixteen, been following Colin his ventures and his colleagues since maybe two thousand thirteen. So you were eleven? Wow. Although I'm still technically a child, I do have fond memories of when I was much younger. A lot of the ones I took I look back on are of me and my older brother and me and my older sister. My brother at some point in high school became like a recluse from us and he has some bad anxiety and depression issues, which I can relate, but I don't have it as bad as him. I can relate to. So since I was in sixth grade, he would spend all day in his room playing on his super gaming PC. Before that, we would have our bickering and stuff, but we would play still play games together, do everything pretty much doing everything together. pretty much. I remember specifically I would wake up at 6 a.m. so I could watch him play Ocarina of Time and I'd ask him about all kinds of stuff and what he was doing, what the war was doing and all this. We would play Pikmin, Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, Animal Crossing, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Super Monkey Ball, and Mario 64, the Zeldas, etc. He ordered a Game Boy Advance on eBay once, and so we both walked to the mailbox. I didn't know what he had gotten yet, but he was so excited, so I was intrigued. And so he opened it up, and I thought the GBA was so cool, especially because it was the translucent white version. I had the Arctic white version, but that is a nice one. Most of my fondest memories with my brother were my fondest memories of playing games as a kid, and he still is into games, but now is a PC gamer. He has PC gamer superiority complex. (laughs) I'm games are obviously a, a massive part of my memory base, and Dagan's too, and, and, and certainly in relation to each other, but that's great, Tyson. I, I think that video games are a great way to structure memories, and it's no different than a lot of my memories being attached to hockey and my memories being attached to D&D or whatever the case might be. So it's good that you still had those experiences. And at 16 years old, so having been born in, sounds like, 2003, which is fucking absurd, that's when I started college. You have this uh, interesting guys in what uh, exclusively 21st century digital lifestyle. That I guess Digan and I didn't have,
1: which is interesting. And a lot of the two, a lot of my warm memories and Colin's warm memories of gaming together, a lot of it is not just the media and the games itself. What re- really resonates is that we were enjoying something together. And I could see that, you know, Colin and I had that when we were younger, and I see that now with me and my son. Like those are some of his favorite times is to play video games with me because he knows that's a it's going to be a bonding moment. It's he remembers, you know, just feeling happy together, enjoying something. You know, that's such a big part of it.
0: Straw Hat Ninja says, what are some things that you experienced as a child that kids will never understand today? What what comes to mind for you on this?
1: That's interesting.
0: I really do think that it's something very simple. I said this on Twitter the other day, and I wonder if this resonates with you. Okay. Let me think about this. It wasn't that long ago that people just picked up a phone in a house that everyone shared and called a seven digit number and didn't know who was going to pick up on the other side in hopes that you would get the person you wanted you didn't know who you were going to talk to you had to like leave a message with a person or say to call me back do you want to call you back yeah no who is this do you get in a conversation are you trying to call a girl's house and you get the dad are you try? that shit is dead it's over it's over so I tweeted out the other day and it got retweeted a shit ton of times because I was like it really is bizarre that we used to do that yeah like that was the only way I I knew everyone's phone numbers by heart and you would just call and hope for the best. Yeah. And I have a very, very distinct memory of calling my friend Tim, my best friend Tim, when I was young. It was it was the late 80s. I was probably five or six. Calling him at like six in the morning. And Fred, his dad. Answering. Answering and being so mad. I have so many funny memories with Tim's dad, Fred. He was a really nice guy. He was a Marine in Vietnam. He owned a big business on Long Island. Very well-to-do family. Very friendly. And very very nice warm fan. family. Still see them. Very warm people. Yeah, very good. But I have funny ass memories of Fred being like, I walked through the screen door in their backyard once on accident. and Just walked right through he, the yeah, screen? Yeah, like right through it. And he was like, <laughs> I think I broke like a window with a, like a wiffle ball, like bat or something on mistake, like swinging it, like all sorts of weird shit. <gasps> and I don't know. I'm often wonder if like what the interaction was between, you know, mom and dad and Fred and Kathy, his parents, in terms yeah. of like, was there, like, compensation going on behind the scenes? or like? Yeah, I you it? would think. You but would maybe, wonder, right? Yeah. Like, literally just walking through the screen door and breaking That's it. That's really funny. David Held says, I remember loving Halloween the most because of the weather, with the wind blowing, the differing shades of leaves off the trees, and all the excitement of pretending to be a superhero while getting more candy than you could ever attempt to eat. The Halloween theme was everywhere, too. In TV shows, classroom stores, it just felt like everyone was more connected than today. What experience made you feel like you were part of a bigger family or connected to a nicer world? I want to stick to the mm. Halloween theme, because you have two kids. Yeah. I used to dress up for Halloween. I was Magnet Man one year. I was a ninja one year. I was a penguin, famously, one year. Nice. But I do feel like maybe it's just because I've lived in cities since I was 17 years old. I've not lived in the suburbs at all since I was 17. But Mm, Halloween does not seem to be the same anymore. And you have kids now. So I'm wondering, is that true? Does it seem like it's different these days? I think a little bit of the luster is gone. But my kids still really look forward to
1: Halloween. In fact, they've been talking about all summer what they're going to be, especially my daughter. My oldest has been really brainstorming what she's going to be this year. No, it's it's pretty big. Feeling like it fell off for a little while might have just been the fact that I I was also living in urban environments like LA and Philly and New York and not I didn't have kids yet. Halloween's a pretty big thing. They have the Halloween parade in school. You know, as long as your you know your costume is appropriate, not too scary and not too revealing or whatever. You could wear your Halloween costume to school and then you, you know trick or treating in the neighborhoods a big deal in my neighborhood. It's relatively big. I think where it loses its I was going to say, you know, the mischief aspect, but my my car got egged twice in the last 10 years, probably. Both from like just hidden groups of people in the woods and like it's just such karma because I used to do that stuff when I was young.
0: I don't think I egged anyone's cars, but I did one year. 10th grade was a weird year for me. 11th grade, not so much, but 10th grade was a weird year for me. And I went to Bell, we went to Bellport High School on Long Island. Sure. And I egged the shit out of the school with some friends, and the security guards oh, wow. came out of the school and ran after us, and we all split up, and they caught me. No way. And I remember this guy was like, who's getting... I remember him saying, like, who's getting suspended while he's running after us, whatever, and I'm like, oh, shit. Wow, are you serious? Yeah, and That's a memory. Yeah, I remember it clear as day, and nothing happened. I-, I think that, like, I was just like, dude, just let me go. Like, give me a fucking break. Right, you know? right, right. And he did. But... I'm not a candy guy, so I used to sell the shit out of my candy when I was in middle school. (laughs) See, that's not a thing that I remember, so that's interesting. When I lived in Maine, Halloween was big up there. And by the way, this is always a debate with people because on Long Island, we trick-or-treated on Halloween. But in fact, in most places in New England, you trick-or-treat on Halloween Eve. And I remember being in Maine, that being a thing for the first time, that people trick-or-treat on October 30th. What's that about? I don't know. In Boston, I think they tr- trick or treat on Halloween, but yeah, in Maine and New Hampshire, they trick or treat where I lived on Halloween Eve. Hmm. And I remember still dressing up and like barely dressing up. I'd, I'd have like a, you know, a sword in my belt or something like that. <laughs> and like fifth, sixth grade, like maybe being a little too old for this and like going around these like really nice Maine, York, Maine neighborhoods and getting candy and then just selling the, selling it at school. That's
1: funny. How do you displace mischief night? There is no mischief night because that's traditionally mischief
0: night. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how it all worked. I remember that Halloween, like nothing was happening on Halloween.
1: Now that I own a home and cars and everything, I'd rather not have mischief night. Let's not do it.
0: I can't believe they do that in your neighborhood. You live in a pretty nice neighborhood.
1: No, it wasn't in my neighborhood. I, this was when I was teaching. I was actually teaching oh, okay. continuing ed classes at Uarts in Philly for a- animation classes, and I was going back and forth late at night. This was probably like 10 miles from, a neighborhood 10 miles from my house. It just nailed my car. With like three eggs. I was going fast, too. I was going like 50 miles an hour. These kids were like marksmen. <laughs> I'm so mad, but tip tip the cap. Good you aim. Know,
0: I can tell you with complete certainty that I never fucked around like that. Like, never go, did anything like not that. Not like against a moving car or someone's property it's or something so like that. stupid. I would egg like on Halloween, like my friend or something like that or like yeah. his car. Yeah, yeah, drove, yeah. Like, like Mike Pope, I egged his Explorer. And, and, you know. Right, right, right. And then he came back with a super soaker full of milk <laughs> and fucking creamed me oh, and, and I was on the gross. roof of our house egging him from the roof no of the house way. you know how you can crawl to my window onto the roof yeah 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 and dad was fucking living oh my dude.
1: god i could see him not being very thrilled yeah he that. was not happy not happy it,
0: it is so stupid some of the things we do because you, you know you're not thinking no you're not thinking no not at all you know daniel schiffer says what fictional universes did you pretend were in your backyard lord yeah. of the rings and star wars definitely come to mind very nice what about you
1: we used to play a lot of star wars outside and we used to play a lot of gi joe outside what else oh indiana jones was a big one, playing in the little various Indiana Jones adventures. In fact, I remember my friend Matt and Danny, they had a little vegetable garden that their mom wasn't really using that much anymore. It was like a little square not little. It was probably fourteen feet by fourteen feet square of dirt in the backyard where there used to be a vegetable garden. So we used to go out there and dig, you know, in our Indiana Jones adventures to try to find some relics. You know, we really thought I remember spending hours out there really thinking we
0: were gonna find something.
1: Like, if we just keep going, we're going to definitely find something. You found, like,
0: an Iroquois burial ground or something like that? <laughs> we that dug curses up some... <laughs> everyone in your neighborhood? Poltergeist part five. Our mom grew up in Albertson, which is very close to Queens on Long Island. But even then, there was a lot of farmland. Nassau County is completely, like, out of control now. But when mom was coming up, where wallbounds and all that was, where it yeah, appara- sure. was apparently a farm. Yeah. And she used to say that, like, they used to go there and find shit all the time. Like, they, she ar- does ar- say Indian that. He- Indian arrowheads and shit like that. That's
1: amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and I believe it at that time. I
0: do too, and I wonder where that shit is. I'm going to call you a liar until I see the evidence, Mom. It
1: belongs in a museum, Mom. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Tyler Oldfield says, I was young when Mortal Kombat came, and the big controversy around it only made me more interested. Same. Mm. Scorpion was my favorite character, so I would take kitchen rags that were yellow and have my mom tied around my face, and I'd act like the iconic ninja. Did you guys ever imitate your favorite game characters as a kid? <laughs> Get over it. Oh, I sure did. But did you do any of this thing? And there were two characters, obviously, that come to mind for me. But did you ever... What, for you, Mortal Kombat? Or for video games. You were a little old for Mortal Kombat. But was there any video game characters that you tried to emulate? We did. We used to, pl- we used to take s- swords and beat the shit out say. of trees in the backyard and pretend we were Dragon, yeah, dragon Quest. Yeah, Dragon Quest. But were you ever doing that by yourself? You were probably a little old by I was point. too
1: old for that. That doesn't mean I wouldn't do it, especially with my maturity level, but... Yeah, no, the only thing I could remember is what you said, playing Dragon Quest with you in the backyard.
0: Right, because I just clearly remember like a pallet of fences that were just there. And it was a platform surrounded by like these fallen trees. Absolutely. We pretend they were dragons and shit. What about you? Well, Magnet Man was the big one I used to dress up as. But from Mega Man 3 with a big Fisher-Price magnet on my head. But, Definitely, of course. But actually the character that I played the most was like Simon Belmont.
1: You guys are so lucky because when I was young enough to pretend I was a video game character, it was Atari 2600. What was like I going to pretend I was? The little guy from Berserk? It was yeah. like he was like made of four squares. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Brian Fink says, favorite childhood memory was just any time I got to do things with my dad. He coached me in a little league. We played video games together. He would take me to the video store most weekends so I could rent NES games. He worked a ton, and as a father now, I know how hard it was for him to make the time that he did for everything we did together. So those memories mean more oh, in that's hindsight. Nice.
1: That's nice. That's
0: nice. We had a good relationship with our dad, but he was certainly never home. Yeah, he worked a lot. Jeremy Cochran said, did either of you have a friend that was at a designated sleepover spot? I feel like every kid or group of friends had one. Sleepovers were awesome. Pizza, four-player, Nintendo N64, and horror movie marathons. Man, kids today will never know. Our generation had it the best. (laughs) Did you have a place that you would sleep over often?
1: I would sleep over my friend Tommy's, talk about him a lot on the podcast, and my best friend John, I would sleep over his house a lot. You know what was funny, though, Kyle? Talk to me about this. Everybody has their own rules for sleepovers. When I slept over John's house, I slept on the floor, and he slept in his own bed. But usually when somebody slept over at my house, I would let them have the bed and I slept on the floor. Interesting. It was always different depending on the house. And Tommy's house, he had a nice finished basement, so we would all just sleep down there. And that kind of got rid of any controversy with who's going to have the bed and who's not going to have the bed. What about you? I always was fascinated with that. Even seeing my daughter and my son with sleepovers now and the different, you know. My kids are spoiled and have bigger beds, so they usually just sleep in the beds together, my kids. But we had twin beds growing up, you know.
0: Yeah, we had basically prison beds. <laughs> The situation for me was similar to you describe it with me sleeping on the floor if I was at someone's house and sleeping in the bed if I wasn't. I remember that. I remember sleeping in a sleeping bag basically next to a person's bed and sometimes on a couch or something if we were downstairs or in a, in a different situation. I definitely had sleepover spots. I definitely remember people weren't sleeping over my house very much because I didn't really want to. I always felt a lot of pressure to entertain when, in those situations. Yeah. But I'd rather be the entertained. When you were hosting? Yeah. Dan Colbert says the freedom of summer adventures, riding the bicycle. I like how you said riding the bicycle. Meeting friends, getting into trouble, exploring. All done without constant check-ins with parents. It's it's possibly impossible to experience this now. There's no way to experience it now because even if one of your friends has a cell phone, even beepers probably ruined it for people after a while. Yeah, you, it, you keep tabs on everybody. But man, the bike, like just riding your bike, just going where the wind took you, having no plan—that's a real freedom. It is. It is real freedom. Not knowing where you'd eat kind of finagling it to go to your friend's house that might have the good food for lunch. Yeah. In hindsight, I feel really bad because I basically just made myself at home at these places. You, know?
1: <laughs> you never felt uncomfortable? That speaks to having good, warm, your friends having very warm, welcoming parents, I think.
0: They did, but you know what? I, I have this nagging memory that's kind of a sad memory or like an embarrassing memory of... I had this friend named Chad for a couple of years in New Hampshire. I haven't talked to him since we left, but we were buddies and we were close and just hanging out. And so I was so used to being in situations where... You would bike to a person's house and just see if they were home and just knock on the door. And then I remember when I went back to Long Island full time, one of his friends told me that it was, like, annoying that I used to, like, bike to their ha- the house to see if he was there. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to, like, put you out. That's just, like, how we grew up. Right. So it was almost like a changing kind of time where I'm like, I wasn't trying to annoy you. I thought that's how we kind of <laughs> – It was always we-
1: so interesting to learn everybody's – Different customs in in the, you know, different families and the way they did things and what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable. That's always kind of fascinating.
0: It is. And I also feel like there was a spontaneity that I thought was inherent in it that I realized at that time, like kind of self-consciously. I'm like, maybe that's not true. I I remember being like, I'm doing X, Y, and Z today. And then someone would just show up and then would just change and we would do A, B, and C instead. And that was kind of the way you rolled. But I guess not everyone rolled like that. (laughs) Paul Waltz says the question is for Dagan. Please. As an older brother, what are some of your favorite memories specific to your younger siblings' childhoods? It might be something you directly participated in or something they shared with you. Do you have anything that you wanted to talk about? I
1: loved spending... Well, there's always been a camaraderie with me and my oldest sister, Dana, because we're only about a year and, what are we, 14 months apart, 16 months apart, whatever we are. And I always feel that history with her because we went through so many things together and so many experiences and so many... You know, we were always witnessed everything in the family together. And I always felt that kinship with her because, you know, now that we're older you know, I'm 34 years old now and she's, (laughs) (laughs) she's 32. No, but seriously. So, you know, having that rich history together is something I always inherently felt with her. And then with my sister Allie, who's sort of, I think my closest surrogate as far as personality, Colin would probably agree with that in the family. Me and Allie have always been very close. We're five years apart, but you know, she's very creative, artistic. She's very into art. Me and Allie have a very similar personalities and temperaments, I think. And that's always been a rich thing with me and her that those experiences that we've shared together, I always see that, you know, we get along very well. You know, I don't know if we've ever fought, you know, and with me and Colin, you know, Colin was, you have to understand, I had two, I was the oldest, I had two little sisters, and I always wished to have a brother. And by the time it happened, you know, almost 11 years later, by the time Colin was born, I was going to be 11. Right after that, I finally got a little brother and being able to take a little brother under my wing was always a joy. And I always think about my experiences with Kyle as a little kid. He was always so sweet and everything, but just and so cute. But, you know, my experiences with him is trying to, you know, we talked about before trying to groom him into a skateboarder and especially our, you know, our love, our collective love for video games and introducing him to video, you know, video games, Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, all those things that I was joyful about that I could finally share with him that I couldn't with my sisters, you know, they just weren't into that stuff. So that's you know that's what I would say. Each of my siblings is different. And it's so funny because I have a very similar thing with Colin. I had a very similar thing with Colin that I now have with my son. It's a very similar thing about having a son and feeling like you're introducing him into the things that you were joyful about. My daughter too. My daughter has very eclectic interests. She's not only into quote-unquote girly things. But having a son is a different type of thing that just reminds me about having a, a little brother.
0: Yeah, she's really an anime from manga. She very much is. You often hear stories, and I've certainly heard stories anecdotally, about siblings separated from at that distance are often not close, or there's an odd man out, and I never felt that way. You guys did a nice job of not making me feel that way, I guess. Oh, yeah. see that? And that was cool because you could see a situation where like three people basically grow up together and then another person is just randomly introduced into it.
1: Yeah, I see what you mean by that. No, I never thought that. It was always exciting, I think, for everybody. You know, and the girls probably have a different perspective of wanting to care for someone, you know, a little brother or a little sister. Yeah,
0: they sure did. They used to dress me up as a girl. And
1: Allie wasn't the youngest anymore. So right. that changed her dynamic. It's interesting.
0: Gave her an existential crisis. Dagan and Dana used to tell Allie that she was adopted.
1: I was going to bring that up earlier, but I felt bad <laughs> that we were all from the same mother and father, but except for Allie, she was adopted.
0: <laughs> like, why wasn't I the one that was adopted? That we had made Allie sense. thinking
1: she was adopted for a good seven years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's really sad. It's terrible. When you think about it? Sorry, Allie. <laughs> Caleb Hager says, although it was considered dangerous and technically trespassing, one of my favorite memories as a kid was walking on the train tracks in the woods by my house. It was so serene back there, and it was a fun place to walk around with all my buddies. I always laugh when I see the Always Sunny episode where they throw rocks at trains because we do we would do that all the time. Wondering if you guys had any places where you would go that you probably shouldn't have been. Any but, memories?
1: We did the train track thing in Brookhaven. I now we moved to Brookhaven. Our, you know, we talk about a lot the big house or the house in, by the water was in Brookhaven Hamlet, and that was near the train tracks. And we, Kyle, we would walk. I would walk to Marich's on the train tracks i mean like nine miles <laughs> 11 miles we'd be like where are we right now right and you would only know because most of the tracks are in the woods you would only know those spots that you could see something in the distance that you knew like oh there's path mark we must be in shirley right now right right you now that really resonates because we we would definitely do the train track thing and then later on we would go the other direction i would walk the train tracks to like east Patchogue, you know which is actually quite dangerous and the throwing the rocks thing thing at the train is such a terrible thing but I remember, totally remember that. It's freaking horrifying. Like I get horrified of some of the thing and I was a good kid. It just and was different, man. Or maybe it throwing is. Throwing rocks man. at trains is the most ass I would I feel like I would kill my son. You know, what I mean but you're just not thinking. The fact that you're going to hurt somebody is the furthest thing from your mind.
0: Isn't it so crazy? I was telling you when we were on we were walking to the diner the other day like my whole mantra especially like by the time I was 15 or 16 onward was just go where you're going, stay out of everyone's way and be as quick and as quiet whatever you're doing as possible. Absolutely. That's like my whole mantra. It's like
1: Ninja Protocol.
0: Exactly. Like I'm dropping kyle traps behind me so no one follows me and shit like that. <laughs> Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> but I always did find that kind of interesting that I do look back and cringe where I'm like, oh my God, what was I doing? The... The stories that we would hear, though, I never did them. We knew people that did, though. People used to try to break into Brookhaven National Laboratory. Now, you guys have to understand, you get fucking shot going into that place. Like, straight up, there's military there, you know? And Brookhaven National Labs was built after World War II. It was near our house. Some of my friends, including my friend that I mentioned, Eric, his dad, was a scientist there. And they did a lot of top secret experimentation. There's also nuclear experimentation going on out east on Long Island that there's documentaries about, which probably explains a lot about why we're fucking weird. (laughs) And Dagan and I were just in Montauk last week – or last year, rather, and looking at Camp Hero, which was like the satellite array that was like super top oh, it's secret. Oh, fascinating. And that was like basically pointed towards Europe. And it was just like the satellite array, like for – I think like for nuclear interception, basically. Right. And Long Island is pretty notorious, along with certain other places around the country, for having like a very supernatural edge and a very like weird – like there's – what's the island, too, with all the animal experimentation? Plum Island. There's, a, there's a thing off Center. of – yeah, there's a Plum Island off of Long Island is another place you're not allowed to go. No. And people used to try to go there too. It's an animal
1: research. The whole island's an animal research center, whatever and, the hell that means.
0: And so, yeah, there's just like some of it's probably totally mundane, but there's definitely if you read about Brookhaven Lab, the first video game was invented at Brookhaven Lab in 1959 called Tennis for Two on an oscilloscope. Oh, I didn't know it was there. Yeah. I and, had no idea. Yeah, Invented on Long Island. And the guy, his name was like William Higginboth or something like that. He lived in Brookhaven. Oh, that's So isn't that weird
1: Makes that like sense. video games
0: were literally invented at Brookhaven National Lab and the guy lived in our hometown? It was meant to be. And they unfortunately dis- like disassembled it for parts. It's like, really yeah oh you need oscilloscope parts okay cool (laughs) i'm sure you guys couldn't afford an oscilloscope (laughs) but we knew people including your friend or kind of a mutual friend jesse some of these guys used to literally try to get in try to get into these compounds that were like literally guarded by military and all this kind of shit and i'm like it's absolutely insane. That's like crazy. what people were trying to do, and also I just remember like that we were surrounded by like some old derelict farms and weird shit. When um, but Long Island really got built out after the war, but in the pre-war period it was farmland. People used to go out east to go vacation, rich people, and then there was like weird health spas and shit like that, and that people from the city used to go to. And there, deep in the woods by our house was like this abandoned complex, basically. Oh yeah, I, with yeah, like yeah, weird yeah. statues and like that was like overgrown, almost like a huge Castlevania abandoned
1: stage. swimming pools and fountains and all this ornate you know, sort of masonry and we got to get back in there, man. It was really, really fascinating. We were looking for it. We spent that era in the late eighties of like, where can we find some pools, some abandoned pools, like thinking we're in Venice, you know, we're on Long Island. And when we finally find these things they are all flat,
0: they're just flat with square walls, you know, like a basement. Right, right. (laughs) Exactly. The final comment before we get into our memories, the ones we want to talk about, Justin Mikowski says, my dad was the one who introduced me to video games and many weekends were spent tackling whatever 8-bit challenge lay ahead of us. During one play session of TMNT on NES, I had fallen asleep on the couch. I woke a short while later to my dad alternating between calling the underwater stage a son of a bitch, a dickhead, and the timeless classic asshole. He went full Tarantino for a good three minutes before realizing I was awake again.
1: Very nice. That's Justin, Helene's cousin Justin. And Just, uncle, oh. he's referring to Uncle John.
0: Oh, Uncle John. Who's an
1: awesome man, actually. Very cool guy. John's What's up, Justin?
0: cursing like a sailor over there. <laughs> I've never seen Uncle John curse in my life he's like the most elegant dude ever so that must have been shocking <laughs> <laughs> and th- that TMNT underwater stage can bring the worst out of any man that's actually true all right so Dave we got those all out of the way so I want to talk now about the memory so I have a few written down but I'm curious what you want to start with the ones I'm, that you I'm so interested
1: in hearing yours you know start wherever you start wherever you want you start and start wherever you like start with whatever one you like right, save wh- the best one for last though I think yeah mm. what do you think we save it for at least, I don't know,
0: second, third. I have this very distinct, it's a series of memories. Dagon, I always looked at Dagon as like, you know, Dagon was so cool and and his friends were so cool and I, I loved his friends, the cast of characters he kind of surrounded himself with, some of which we still keep in touch with today, some of which we've not seen in many years. Summers were spent for me with my friends and we would be in the pool, but when the sun went down, you would jump in the shower, take a bath or whatever and kind of like, you know, go watch TV or play a video game or something like that. And it always so happened that Dagon and his friends would roll in around dusk when they were done skating and they would go in the pool we lived in this big house and the bathroom upstairs would look out onto the pool like perfectly i would be in there like whatever and everyone would be like having a good old time out there like fucking around pj's i think swimming in like his shoes and like his shirt you know like everyone's being stupid and (laughs) having a good time and i would beg mom and or really dad mostly to like go out and hang out with them to be like well you just take a shower and then go out and and hang out with them and have a good time and it was always so fun i always enjoyed like the night swimming out there was a little cold It really the horse flies were still out and and the light, the pool light was on, and it gave that weird, like, afterglow, that she- that shine. We live- Our backyard was basically just woods. We lived on, like, an acre, and it was just woods with, like, just... And cut into it was basically like, where the pool was. Exactly. So it was, like, quite scary, actually, at night. And I have very distinct memories of that. And I was just thinking about those times. So, like, Dana, to a lesser extent, too, with her friends who were always really sweet and nice to me. Allie and her friends were... I loved Allie and her friends, but they were not as nice to me. So... <laughs> But like I remember that, like trying to ingratiate yourself, and I was young, man, and and I think that you it was are. like, and I'm not saying just young in terms of age. I was younger than these people, like way younger than these people. You know, Dagan's friends, ten years younger than them. Yeah. But everyone was nice to me, and it was. I don't know if they were just being nice to me because they had to or whatever. But. I enjoyed those times, and I remember, I remember, like just being one of the guys or one of the girls with Dana. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and 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 it all framed around our. our in, we had like a big in-ground pool in the backyard, and it was like, I, I miss that pool, man. We, me bo- too. I, and you know what? Just to fast forward, when we moved out of there in 1997, I distinctly remember swimming in it for the last time. Dana and I woke up and went to the pool for like the last time that morning, and it was like, oh, you did? Yeah, and it was like, I was like, I think it was July first, 1997, or something like that, or August first, 1997, and I just remember being yeah. like. I remember being heart-like, I can't believe this is happening for the last time. Ah, uh, it's sad, it's you sad, know? it is sad. And I still remember the way the ladder felt under your feet, and like the silver bar, and like the way the diving board snapped, and I remember every inch of that pool. Those and, are like, cool, that Those,
1: and I love, the, I love that you talk about the light. The pool, light like, gave such atmosphere at night, that warmth, and that nostalgia. You know what's funny about diving boards, Kyle? I feel like nobody has them anymore. We, have, we don't have a pool, but a lot of my kids' friends in the neighborhood do have in-ground pools, and some of them just got them in, and... It would be nice to have a lot of these people's money, but uh, but uh, but you can afford an in-ground pool. One of Lily's friends' parents, they're lovely people, they're awesome people. they actually from New York, but I mean, they put a complex in the backyard, the outdoor covered patio with the TV out there and the full bar and the whole thing. It's like a you know, it's like a grotto with the pool. But you know what the thing is? The diving boards aren't things anymore. They don't do it. I don't know if it's just because it's not safe. But the pools are big enough. The pools are still big enough, but I feel like nobody has diving boards anymore. The only time my kids could use the diving boards are at the, you know, we belong to a town pool or a country club pool, and you could use the diving boards there, and they have the high dive still that the kids could jump off of and stuff.
0: Imagine still having our old house with your kids.
1: That's one of the things that I really lament, and my kids are very lucky. They have two sets of lovely grandparents. You know, my mom and dad are obviously awesome people, my in-laws are amazing people too, but... It would have been cool for them to sort of have that. I always think that, you know, it would be co- kind of cool for them to have that and just to be able to experience the place where we grew up as well, because I don't, they're able to, at least my kids are able to experience the place where their mom grew up because we live very close to where Helene grew up. But it would be kind of cool for them to have access to where we grew up too and all the sort of emotional and historical resonance that goes with that, you know. Absolutely. I lament that sometimes. Dig, you up. Okay, so my first memory—I'm gonna. This is a funny one, Colin. I don't know if I was actually eager to share this, not only with the audience, with you, because I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this before. So when we grew up, when I grew up, this was before this whole thing took place. Before Colin was born, I guess I was about, to my best recollection, I was probably, I was probably eight. Might have been seven, seven or eight, say. And I had some problems with a neighborhood bully. Who would later go on to be my friend, I should preface this by saying. He figures primarily in a couple of stories if I have time to tell both. But this first story, his name was Corey. And this guy was either a year or two older than me in school. But our elementary school was K through 3. So let's say at the time I was in first grade, he was a third grader. And he he was a big dude. Like, you know, it's so funny in retrospect to feel like this guy would look like the rock to me. You know, what I mean, he <laughs> yeah. was probably this little twerp. But when you're little, the, yeah. your perspective is so different. For sure, you know, you have that sort of worm's eye view. You know, and this guy gave me the hardest time. It's my first recollection of dealing with a blues and th- having that feeling that I know a lot of you guys and girls could probably relate to. It's like, why does this guy hate me so much? What did I do to this guy? You know what I mean? Like ha- having that palpable feeling of frustration of like, why does this guy hate me so much? You know, and who knows what it is as kids? It's jealousy, or he's just getting shit at home, which kind of will play a little later into the story. But so this guy decided that he was going to beat the crap out of me, right? So we rode the bus together. He lived up at the corner, of Corey. So probably about four houses away around the corner, really close to my friend Tommy's house, which will play into the story. So Corey decided that he's going to kick the crap out of me when we get off the bus. I don't know why or how it started, but he was like, when we get off the bus, I'm going to kick the crap out. I'm going to beat the crap out of you, basically. And I was like, shitting bricks, right? So the first time he says this to me, I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? You know, just scared. I was not, I was now and then I'm just not a fighter. I just, I have no idea. You know, I have no clue about these type of things. I'm like, what am I going to do? So foolishly, he lets me get off the bus first, Right. He literally, like, let me go past him so I could get off the bus first. This is the level of intelligence we're dealing with, right? So, of course, the bus door's open. I bust loose. I'm out like a flash, like a dart right into my friend Tommy's house. Don't knock. Don't ring the bell. I run right in. (laughs) No. Because that's where the bus stop is, right? I run right into Tommy's house. Now, Tommy has Tommy and his little sister, Christy. And I don't know if his little brother was born at that time, but they had a nanny. Both their parents, his parents worked. So, they had a nanny. Her name was Diane. Long-time family nanny. I remember the first time running, I opened the screen door, opened the, you know, thank God it was unlocked. I run right in. Corey's chasing me. He's literally behind me. Like, I feel like I'm arching my back. (laughs) Right, right. So he won't actually hit, right? So he's actually, I get off the bus, he gets off the bus, he's running. But he's a big kid. Now picture, if you guys know Calvin and Hobbes, I know we talked about Calvin and Hobbes, the Mo character for Calvin and Hobbes. This is what Corey looked like. The shaggy black bull haircut that almost covered his eyes. And just kind of that thuggish countenance, you know, he had like a kind of a bulbousy nose. Like he, I always this picture, like for some reason, the jeans and the black T-shirt, like he was the prototypical bully, you know, maybe like the leather jacket as well. Who knows? It could have been a Michael Jackson jacket at that time. But. So that's the first time he says, I'm going to kick the crap out of you. Bus doors open. I break like a dart right into Tommy's house. You know, he doesn't have the audacity to go in. So he's like, you know, foiled again. I'm going to get you tomorrow type of thing. So now Diane, Tommy's nanny, is like, what are you doing? Tommy was probably behind us. So I run in the house before Tommy, his sister, nobody's in. Diane doesn't know what the hell's going on. So next day comes, same exact thing. I'm going to beat the crap out of you when I get off the bus. I said, all right. Let's me go first. Do the exact same thing. Run off the bus. He's running behind me. I go in the house. He can't go in. This happened all week. Let's say it was starting on a Monday. It's like
0: he didn't want to really fight you.
1: That's what... Now, in retrospect if he wanted to beat the crap out of me, he would have, you know, and I might not be standing here talking to you guys today. <laughs> but I guess in retrospect, what he was doing, he was just toying with me, or he, he just didn't like me enough to try to scare the hell out of me. But I do remember him running full bore behind me, you know, and he couldn't run as fast as me. He was bigger and stuff like that. I remember him like, you know, having that really struggling to run fast, you know, so was really pressing at it. And I remember it becoming such a problem that you know, eventually mom and dad found out whether I told him or not. And I, you know, dad did the typical thing of like, that's it. I'm going to talk to this guy's dad. And I remember Corey's dad being an intimidating looking guy. He was a biker. He had the denim and the do rag on and everything like that. And I remember dad, you know, our father was very no nonsense and very intimidating.
0: Yeah. He's six foot three, pretty jacked.
1: And especially back then. And, you know, I know everybody thinks that of their dad, but our dad was a nut job basically. And I remember dad coming back and like 10 minutes and being like, that's never going to be a problem again. (laughs) You know, like it wasn't, it actually wasn't. So it wasn't the fact that I did anything where Corey relented. I think the fact of like, whatever my dad said to his dad, it just stopped.
0: Yeah. It could have been a very cordial. It could have been the most cordial thing in the world. So dad likes that. There's a mystique about him. So (laughs) I think he, he really does. So there's, there's, he really does like the whole mystique. You don't know if he really got angry. You don't really know what happened.
1: No, no idea. No yeah. idea. And I have a very, as, I don't know if I'll have time to tell another story, but there's another story that I could relate as a teenager where dad did the same thing. He had to go down and talk to somebody type of thing.
0: Tell that story now. You want me to tell now? I think it now? I know that story better, but yeah, t- talk to me about that one.
1: So my friend Pat and I, who I've talked about in the show before, he was my friend in junior high school and high school. We lived down the block in Brookhaven. We lived down the block from the bay. And there was a landing there called Squassix Landing, and that's where everybody had their slips and their boats. And it was also a fishing and crabbing pier. And Pat and I would go down there at night and go crabbing or just walk around the neighborhood, whatever. It was very quiet and peaceful at night. We were just chilling. I think Pat was sleeping over. I was probably in ninth grade. Maybe I was in eighth grade, eighth or ninth grade. And, you know, you have all these childhood fantasies and you make everything into what it's not so we go inside the landing squat landing is closed at night and the gate is bolted shut with a chain and a padlock because people's boats are in there so but you could still walk in and we walk in and there's a couple of limousines parked in there at night with their lights on or whatever and we're like what the hell is going on here and we're crabbing with flashlights and we have the net the crabbing net and the flashlights and we're just chilling out we have the bucket whatever and so turns out that there was people's crabbing traps were set there, but we didn't know that. So basically what ends up happening is somebody's like, Hey, get out of here. You guys can't. And we just turned the whole thing into like, it's drug dealers in the limousines. Like we got to get out of here. And we run, we run down the block and it's probably like, I don't know. What would you say, Kyle? Like a third of a mile. Yeah. I mean, something like that. Yeah. From the landing to a third our of house. a mile. If it's a foot. Yeah. If it's a foot. <laughs> and so we're running down the block and you know, just kind of like half in our, you know, fantasizing in our heads that something, something's afoot. But here comes a truck around that er, skids around the corner and just and just coming straight for us. I'm like, what the fuck? What the hell is going on? so it turns out to be one of the, like a big, like a big, you know, picture like a big pickup truck with the big floodlights in the front and the big floodlights on top. And sure enough, we get down to, we can't make it all the way to our cul-de-sac. So we make it down to my friend Kit's house is there on the right-hand side. And Pat gets on the roof of my friend Kit's house. He has like a little, you know, like a little tiny cape, a little cape house. Pat gets on the roof and I run into the woods across from my cul-de-sac and lay down in the leaves. I feel like it's like Vietnam or something. And here's this truck. It's just going really slow, like a mile an hour looking, you know, looking where we are. And I'm like, what? is this like we were just playfully making into something wasn't, but I was like, what the hell is happening? Like, what did we do? Like what, or what did we see that we weren't supposed to see? Right, right. right. So I remember finally the truck leaves. We're like, what the fuck? We get back to the house. We use the garage door open and we go in the garage and I guess we're making a racket talking about it. And dad comes out into the garage and he's like, what the hell is going on? And we explain to him like, this is his cars down there. We were just trying to crab dad. And like, they chase us out. He's like, Oh, he's like oh wh- whatever he said he's like oh really and he took a crowbar this is a real thing he took a crowbar off the wall of the garage it was like a not even a typical crowbar It's like a firefighter tool it has like a crowbar at one end and it has like a three-pronged thing on the bottom and he throws it into his truck and he's like i'll be right back and he goes down there <laughs> 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 oh it's almost like dad was waiting for this stuff to happen <laughs> he, but like, this is really what happened yeah, yeah. this is a real thing yeah and now I'm mortified. I'm like, holy shit. Like, who knows? These guys have guns? What did we do? Is it really a drug deal? You know, you're thinking like all, of, you're thinking about all these things in your head, like the lethal weapon movies and everything like that. You're just, you're, we're kids. We're, you know, we were 13 years, 12, 13 years old. We, we didn't know what it really was. But then we're like, is this really something? And he came back. He's like, that's Lincoln, He, li- which is a guy. He was a volunteer firefighter, actually, that lived next to Kit. He's like, that's Lincoln. You were messing, he thought you were messing with his crab traps. <laughs> So that was the whole thing. And he didn't know who you were. He didn't, he didn't recognize, you know, I guess he didn't recognize Pat or. So I was like, oh God. So that was like a whole thing that was like a sort of an echo of the other thing, you know, with Corey.
0: I can't believe you haven't been in touch with this Pat guy.
1: Yeah. You know, we
0: see, he he plays so prominently in all your stories. He's
1: a, he was an important friend of mine growing up. You should get in touch with him. He was a kindred spirit.
0: Do you ever wonder the fact that he thinks about that sometimes probably? Oh,
1: he has to think about all that stuff. And it would be interesting though. We just grew apart.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting you know? to get in touch with them. You
1: guys, Did you have them falling out? It wasn't really a falling out, I don't think, so much. I don't remember.
0: And even so, if you did, it doesn't matter at this point.
1: I really don't know if it was really a falling out so much as just, I think, you know, diverging interests. I got increasingly more into skateboarding, and I don't think he ever really went. He never really went into skateboarding. And, you know, by the time I went off with my friends and I was doing that stuff, even with guys like Tommy and John, who I grew up with, who were into skateboarding for a little while, but eventually even when they fell out of it, those diverging interests kind of cause you to spend less time together, and then you just, you know, eventually it—it's sad, but eventually you kind of just phase out, right, right? You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it would be interesting to get in touch with him because he's—he plays so prominently in a lot of your memories. Yes,
1: yeah, so we went on—we had so many adventures together, and misadventures, as it were. So, what's your next thing?
0: I'm gonna tell you a memory I had where I realized. That the adult world is a little different than the child world it was kind of a little it wasn't harrowing it's more it's more interesting thinking back about it at the time okay but i used to play roller hockey in the summers on the long island so i'd play ice hockey all year and then when i'd go home on long island we had some ice on long island that you can play but i wanted to play roller hockey because my friends were playing roller hockey and it's just an easier and breezier way and it was a little way for me i was a goalie starting at age six or seven so I wasn't at the skill level to really be able to play what we would call in hockey playing out, which means not playing in that. And I can tell now, you those stories too. Being
1: very uneducated, yeah. playing out means can you do anything? Could you even be on offense and try to score opposing? Yeah, you can play. Well, goals? anyone
0: that's not in net can and will score. Okay. It's just a matter of, the, you know, there are five positions outside of goal, you know, center, the guy who kind of plants himself in front of the net, he takes the face-offs. He's right. kind of a scorer. You have your left wing and your right wing who are offensemen that play on either wing. Yeah. And then you have your left defenseman and right defenseman that stand by. But anyone can score. And there are all sorts of nuance. Like there's what they call the offensive defenseman, which is like a guy who pin- does what's called pinching, which means that he basically plays further ups. It's a risk-reward thing where he'll play in what is called the slot. So he can right. score from there, but then there's no defenseman back there. So, gotcha. So anyone can score. You know, okay. One of the great hockey players of all time, Bobby Orr, was a defenseman who I think had like 100-point seasons, which is like fucking Holy of, cow, that's you know. Crazy. So it's, you know, anyway. So I played on very serious travel teams growing up. So playing up there in New England, I was relegated to net because that's what I was really good at, and there was no chance of me playing out. So playing roller hockey in the summers was a way for me to play. I played defense. I liked playing defense. That was actually the position I started playing at when I learned how to play hockey when I was young, when I was really young. So I played with my friends on this team called the Hawks. We played like for several seasons, several summers together, Okay, and we had these like white jerseys with just these cheap white jerseys with Hawks like written in diagonal letters on them and like I was Moriarty and I was and I, I was like numbered I don't know I think I had like number two or something like that my goalie number was number one and I played with my friend Tim and roller hockey at that age is non-contact which is unusual because hockey is a very physical sport and by the time you become what's called the peewee which is like age nine or ten you can start sl- doing slap shots which is like where you really really fucking shoot the puck hard and when you could start hitting. Okay. And so, but this was non-contact, mostly because falling on concrete doesn't feel great. It doesn't feel great to fall on ice either, but it's just, sure. it's just a different sport. Definitely a lower skill sport. And I played with my friend Tim and and his father would always come to the games and we would often go to the games together. We were just mentioning him before, a really nice, warm guy. And this other team was like taking shots at like, and but I don't mean the actual physical sh- I, I like slap shots or anything. They were taking shots at us, like elbowing and all that kind of stuff. Anyone who knows me and hockey, like I have an awful fucking temper in hockey. <laughs> it's a notorious thing with anyone I've ever played with. I took a picture last summer when we were home because I got the Darth Vader award from my one of my travel teams. Call it called the Darth Vader award where it's like he plays that like he's one with the force, but often torn turns to the dark side. <laughs> that's awesome. That's amazing. Like I, I'll, I'll never forget that like everyone got a little oh, funny award. And so that was good. And yeah, it says like he plays. Brilliant. And so I had like a terrible temper and my I remember my friend Tim getting run and we were probably like eleven or twelve, so we weren't like that young. And I went up to this kid and like cross-checked him. And the coach, I guess, was the dad of the kid, like the other oh, coach was the sure, dad of the kid. yeah, yeah. And they like it started getting really dirty, and the, the game was over. I think we won, and then there was like a scrap like in the middle of the rink or whatever. And we were all getting off, and my friend Tim's dad confronted the coach, and it almost got physical. Did it really? And he wasn't wrong. Like, the game was out of control. No, It was yeah, really, like, yeah. their fault. Like, Absolutely. We were, we were, I, think it was, I think we were actually were killing them. I think that probably had something to do with it. Sure. And, like, we were playing, like, with a lot of finesse and all of that. Right. And I remember it didn't get physical, and I don't know if you wanted to get physical with an ex-Marine, but right, right. <laughs> I remember for the first time in my life, because you were talking about how dad is, like, kind of an imposing figure. And we knew him as that, but I never saw Dad really have to do anything or be confrontational because I was a pretty good kid and I wasn't really getting involved in anything. Yeah. But I remember that that was the first time where I was like, "Wow, adults get fucking serious, right? You know, like this is a serious thing." And my best friend's dad is about to go to town. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. For me. Absolutely. You know, and I was like, so it was almost like a really cool thing where you felt kind of good, where he was like, "Come on, guys!" Like, uh, and just like kind of shepherded us to the car or whatever. To the right, 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 right. But I remember being like, first of all, kind of honored, and I think I remember telling Dad like, you know, Fred kind of like really. Stood up for me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think dad ended up thanking him or whatever. But also that like, wow, like the adult world is quite something else. And that was really a weird, memorable glimpse into that. Exactly. Almost that fear of being like, wow, there's a lot of shit we don't understand about the way this world operates. And, you know, it's funny because I see that shit all the time now. Like you were just talking about how you like saw some shit with the guy's bike and the cops. Yeah, the
1: confrontation at Starbucks.
0: And like I see weird shit all the time and like bad shit all the time. And for some reason, those just come and go in my mind. But that particular instance just remained in my mind because it just taught me that there's several levels of escalation and, and the unknown above your childhood kind of brain and your childhood reality based on a loyalty and a fealty to your children or to your children's friends. Well I'll said. never forget that as long as I live. No. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I don't remember very much else about those years playing roller hockey at that place. It was in like Patchogue or something. It wasn't that far from our house. And people probably still play there. They're outdoor rinks. There's like three of them next to each other. Oh, and, it's still and there? I would assume so. And it was cheap to play, like it wasn't that expensive. And there wasn't it wasn't very skilled. It was kind of like a joke yeah, compared yeah. to what I was playing at in New England. But it was a way for me to kind of have friends and, and hang out in that way. And we'd play like fifteen games a year with like no practices basically. So it wasn't that serious. But yeah, I remember that very well. That drew a contrast. That was like a it's not a dark memory at all. It's a memory of like, wow, this could have gotten pretty wild. You know, yeah. thinking back on it. That's the first
1: one of the first times you ever saw that happen. Yeah, yeah. and, and
0: certainly being involved in it in a way too. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Similar to what I was saying with Pat, where does he remember these stories? I often wonder, do they remember that? What's next for you? I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna go to my favorite one, just in case we run out of time. Hopefully, you guys enjoy this one. And this is a memory that I I remember beat for beat and every detail, almost like I'm still there. Because just the way it played out, especially as I think about it in retrospect, is so funny. It's really really funny how this this whole thing happened. So I call it, and I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but it's called the Tie Fighter Snowball Story.
0: Oh, yeah, I know this story. You know the yeah, story? We wanted to animate this one.
1: This is one of the ones I really did want to do, like, an autobiographical animated series, and this was going to be the ones that I really want. But I, I'm, I'm excited to talk about, it, so I, and hopefully it makes people laugh. So I grew up in a neighborhood in Medford, again, on the block. I had friends my age, like my friend John, and then my best friends were John, Tommy, and Matt. John was my age. Tommy and Matt were a year younger than me in school, Dana's age. It was the four of us. We were sort of the, you know, that was the, we were the Ninja Turtles. And there was some other side players too. Matt's little brother, Danny, was Allie's age. And he was sort of part of the posse. And then a a couple of other ancillary characters. Dana's best friend growing up, Stacy. Her little brother, Eric, was around. Some other people here and there. It was the five or six of us playing outside. It was snowing. I remember this specific winter. I guess I was probably eight might have been nine, but those specific winters in the mid-80s, early to mid-80s, there was a lot of snow. It snowed a lot. And I remember the big kids, we had a lot of big kids in the neighborhood, including brothers Tommy and John, Tom and John, who lived right across the street. Tom might have been two years older than me. John might have been three or four years older than me. And then their their older brother, Robbie, was probably... Anywhere from six to eight years older than me. There were some big kids in the neighborhood. And then Tom and John had friends like Eric around the corner. So all the big kids were outside playing. And they made, they were making this amazing snow fort. And I remember we'd go outside. I'm like, oh, my, it was on my friend. I think it was kind of on. They lived next. Tom and John lived next to my friend Matt. And it might have been like right in between their two properties. They made this huge, in the backyard, they made this huge snow fort. It was like a compound. I remember being like, whoa, they may have a roof and they could go inside and this whole thing. So they're like, oh, yeah. So we're playing outside and they're like, oh, yeah, Do you guys want to have a snowball fight? And, you know, foolishly. I mean, some of these kids, let's say I'm eight. Some of these kids are 10, 11, all the way up to the oldest ones are probably 14, 15. If you had Robbie there and maybe one of his friends. So the 14, we're dealing with 14 and 15 year olds. So it was me, Matt, Tommy, John and Danny, I think might have been one other guy there on our side. And we're like, oh yeah, sure. That's great. And they're like, all right, we'll give you guys a half hour to build your own fort. You know, build it over here about this distance away. So we're in my friend Matt's backyard. And we're like, all right, yeah, great, great, great. So we start building this thing. They're like, all right, that's it. Like we can't give you any more time. We basically built a wall that was two and a half feet high and maybe five feet long. (laughs) Like that's what we had. Right? We had no time to make a store of snowballs. Nothing. We had we had nothing, right? So they're like, all right, we're gonna start the snowball fight. We're like, all right. You know, I think there was an element of fear, but we were just trying to put on a brave face. And we're like, all right, how bad can this be? You know, dude, we got frigging annihilated. I just remember never feeling that scared for my life because they were merciless. They were like, you know, first of all, we had guys like Danny who probably couldn't even reach. Like probably even (laughs) couldn't reach where their fort was. You know, I remember hitting their fort, like the people with the best arms, like my friend John had a really good arm and he threw sidearm. I remember John hitting their fort and it being like nothing. It was like bouncing off it. You know, like, what are we going to do? We can't... So we're like hiding behind this wall that's being peppered with snowballs. It's becoming like a piece of Swiss cheese or trying to take shelter behind this thing by like laying down on our bellies, right? I remember my friend, my friend Matt's brother Danny getting pelted in the side of his head with a snowball and like just going down like, oh, like, not getting back up again. Like he was out. Like getting like clocked in the side of his knit cap and just be like, oh, like we lost Danny. Like, so like it was not looking good. And I remember it being like a really like, like, what are we going to do? Like we're getting destroyed. They were throwing. I remember them not holding anything back. Like they were throwing really hard and it hurt, you know? And I remember having like snow, like we had snow suits on. We were littler kids, you know, it was completely, it was chaos. It was just chaos. It wasn't looking good. And I remember hiding behind the wall and Tommy's like, what are we going to do? Like there's nothing we could do. And I think the thing was that we were supposed to destroy each other's forts and then it was going to end. But they completely annihilated our fort and we're still like just like laughing. And like, I remember them not even have to come out of the fort. Like, they were just throwing it over the fort. Like, we didn't even know where they were. We couldn't see them. I remember at one point like hiding behind Matt's shed and like they didn't even care. Like, they weren't even screaming foul. They were just like thought it was hilarious, you know. And I remember the things whizzing by the corner of the shed like and hitting the fence and be like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't want to get hit by this thing, you know. And so I'm like, all right. So, like, what are we going to do? I was like, I don't know. So I'm like, I don't know. Let's try this. So I I don't even know what inspired it, but I took two snowballs and I put it together like a TIE fighter. And I think I was inspired by, and we might have have been playing with this before earlier in the winter or something, but you know, in uh, Star Wars, when the TIE fight, that Death Star battle where the TIE fighters get hit and they break apart and sort of spiral and the two, you know, the orb comes apart in two pieces or whatever. So I put the two orbs together, the two snowballs together and called it a TIE fighter snowball, which is kind of inaccurate. I think the TIE bombers have two orbs in the middle, right? The two Yeah, yeah, the tie bombers in yeah, the middle Yeah, it's, like,
0: it's like the bomb bay and like the cockpit. Yeah.
1: So I was like, all right, we're just gonna do this thing. And I put the two snowballs together. I'm like, what are we gonna do with that? And I was like, throw it up into the trees. There was trees above their fort. And I was like, I don't know, throw it up in the trees and then the snow will rain down and I don't know. I don't know what it, what it was gonna do, but we just So we start making these TIE fighter snowballs and throwing them up into the trees And I guess what had happened was maybe they weren't paying attention and maybe they were just hiding out and they're having a cup of hot cocoa. I don't know. They weren't concerned, right? So I think what had happened was the snow sort of cascaded down and must have fallen like underneath their collar. And they were just like, what the hell? And then it was like this thing where it was like, what's going on? Like they made this huge big thing out of it. And I'm like, keep peppering the trees. <laughs> so everybody was making snow, TIE fighter snowballs. Danny might've come to, he was peppering, the, <laughs> <laughs> he was peppering the trees with TIE fighter snowballs. And I remember all this cascading snow and it seems ridiculous to me in retrospect. Maybe they honestly, maybe they were just ready to go in. They just, they were just kind of over it, but I just always had this vision of them like, kind of celebrating like cut to them inside the snow fort like sir we have the little kids on the run you know should we pop the champagne yeah. and then you know just hearing these distant cries and being like you celebrate too soon captain <laughs> 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 you know and the you know cut to like the the bad guys like you know the big kids like freaking out because snow is cascading down their shirts and like you know i think really what it was was that they were just ready to go in You know, it was completely boring for them at that point. But I remember that always being such a palpable victory for us because they really made us feel like we won and we won the day. Right. And I don't remember ever having another snowball fight with those guys, probably because they were just it was completely boring for them. But I remember that feeling like such a triumph. And I remember feeling like, all right, I don't know if they just kind of let us have that one a little bit that they were just ready to kind of go, you know, inside and play video games or something. But I remember the littler kids, like Danny, and even their little brother Paulie, who was probably on the scene, like feeling like, "Oh yeah, we really got him, didn't we?" With it, the... and then the Tie Fighter snowball became this legendary thing that we always used to do, like, "Oh, throw a Tie Fighter snowball!" Like, you know. And I, I like to think I invented the Tie Fighter snowball. You may have, I you may have indeed
0: invented it. it. I love that story. <laughs> it's an amazing story. I have just a few more, please, that I guess I, I can just tell in sequence, quickly. There, a lot of them are hockey-related. Not all of them are hockey-related. But my favorite hockey-related story that mom will often recount is... In my, on my travel teams, we would play in these tournaments. And I went to a tournament in Hanover, New Hampshire. And we were a good team. We often played teams that were, like, really, really, really good. And we would lose. I remember we played a team, like, a Long Island All-Star team. That beat us 6-3 to three at this tournament. I, that's, like, very memorable wow. to me. And we ended up playing this team from Canada and suffice to say it was the game of my life was i posted a shutout and mom still tells the story about like how i think i was in eighth grade or something like that and we won one nothing i played hundreds and hundreds of hockey games and i don't remember them in the moment but i remember playing that game because it was like it was one of those moments that you tell people about where you were like it was just something supernatural about playing in that game yeah Like, like where i just saw the puck i saw every shot and mom still recounted about how like i was just flat. mom often made fun of me because i was like very vain like a very vain hockey player where I wanted to make like not only the clean save, but like the very stylish save. You know? <laughs> you had a style. Like where, you know, Patrick Waugh or these guys that I grew up kind of idolizing would, you know, grab a puck with their glove, like save a puck, but then like curl it in to like be kind of cool. And mom always told the story about how I curled it in once and threw the puck in the net (laughs) when I was like younger. And I'd so I stopped doing that. (laughs) You were young to be conscious of style, though. That was pretty
1: sophisticated for a little kid. Yeah, like
0: where you'd stretch out and save it and you could just leave your glove and just close it and get the whistle. But like, you know, you bring it back in. It was like kind of cool. Like as if you like meant to catch it. Sometimes your glove's just in the right place. Right. I remember that time when I threw it in the net on accident. They scored. (laughs) So that was nice. I just have this vivid memory. It was the it was the game of my life. I think everyone that has that plays sports for a long period of time, especially the same sport and in the same position, has that game or that memorable thing. And I and like everyone, I remember it, it was like a it was a proud moment in my life that I still think about to this day. I think it was in eighth grade, and so I just wanted to throw that out there. That's a
1: great one. I like how a lot of your stories are hockey related stories. That was such a big part of your childhood. It
0: was a huge part. You know, I remember playing roller hockey like street hockey on blades in Dad's driveway in the old house, and Dad. Trying to figure out ways to get me to stop shooting the puck at the garage door because, or like the ball at the garage door because if you closed our garage door, it was just pelt, like all these puck circular, marks. and I would destroy the back of his like Explorer with like wide shots and stuff wow. like that, and scratch the side of his car with like my bike. I did like so much stupid shit that like because of hockey, like with that, and dad was very patient. It was incredibly stupid in, in hindsight. Yeah, I think at some point dad painted the garage doors white or whatever, and then they were just. There was literally like a thousand again. Yeah. This is like yeah. all over again. But the story that I wanted to end with that I thought was interesting, and I told it before, is this I love the story of when you got me the Ninja Gaiden trilogy for NES. It's such a memorable story for me, and I told it on other shows, so I, I forgive me if you guys have heard this one. But the basic long and the short of it is that, you know, I loved video games and date and I loved Ninja Gaiden, and I think we were renting them at some time at some point or whatever. And yeah. It was October. I think it was October 91 or October 92. I think it might have been 92 because I think mom was gone at that point. And Dagan came home with a shoebox, like a wrapped shoebox, like a bass <laughs> yeah. shoebox. I remember it very well. It was like a green Bass shoebox with like the white logo on it. It's so embarrassing in hindsight. I was eight, I guess. So I remember being like mad. That, that Yeah, yeah. I remember being like you got because Dagan was actually really great with gifts. Like you get me, he got me like a toy katana and like all sort of like ninja stars and all sort and guns and all sorts of shit. And then he, like, handed me a shoebox, and I was like, what the fuck? You know, like, in my mind, I wasn't saying fuck, but I was like, what? And I remember being like, thinking. and I remember being so disappointed, but then opening it, and there was just three loose NES cartridges in it of Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden 2, and Ninja Gaiden 3 that I guess Dagan bought at Funko or at, you know, EB or whatever for yeah. used. That is such a vivid memory to me. Because not only did it expose us in a permanent way to a series that we ended up really enjoying, but it was such a, a loop for me to... And an embarrassing one to have doubted, like you would have. You bought had me a, that feeling, so like you would have bought me a pair of dress shoes, right? Right, really right. make any sense? Yeah, yeah,
1: I know what you mean.
0: So I, I love that story, and I, I remember that one very vividly. And, and similar to the one where mom came home with Castlevania three for us after being at a soccer tournament with Dana, and I was really disappointed because I thought it was track and field. Because people so have it was to remember, silver. yeah, because people have to remember, Konami boxes back then were all the same. They all had this like silver. Trim and like the same graphical flair, and then in the middle was like the logo and the actual art. And, Cap- yeah. and Konami art and Konami box art was awesome, yeah, it, it was, was really good. good, including track and field's art. it was nothing wrong with it, but I saw it from afar and I was like, fuck. Because I think my friend had it, and I was like, I can't believe we're getting track and field or something like that. But it ended up being Castlevania 3, which I don't even think we knew was out yet or something. So it might have literally just been serendipitous, like it had just come out,
1: right? Right? Right?
0: And I remember running upstairs and playing it. That's awesome. And I remember the exciting thing about getting new NES games at the time, especially later in the NES generation, was that the only way you can get an NES game to work the first try is if it was new
1: yes that's true so you knew it was gonna work yeah
0: so like there was a time like your nes started to degrade the cartridge started to degrade it got dirty like where a week or two in it would stop working a little bit and then it would just be like another one of your nes games but in the beginning <laughs> it was always good it
1: worked perfectly. great point
0: i remember that too like it just worked perfectly that was a treat and i remember popping it out of the box and just throwing it in and yeah so that's all i really wanted to talk about today that's but awesome. i'd love to hear the rest of your stories before Four we go. good games by the way oh excellent i games. love the ninja gaiden games me too man they're great
1: Okay, so I'll give a shout out to another Corey story because this was always one that really resonates with me and I remember so vividly. So the older kid, again, going back to the older kids in my neighborhood on that initial block in Medford, Tom and John and Corey and their friend Eric who lived around the corner, they would play, I specifically remember this, we wouldn't, but we would watch them, they would play tackle football on the street. (laughs) <laughs> they really would. Now these are the ki- these are the kind of kids that I grew up with. They were tough kids. These kids, first of all, they were hilarious. I remember, especially John, the older kid, not my best friend John, but the older John, being hilarious. I mean, he would he had jokes for days. Everything that came out of this guy's mouth was hilarious. For some reason, he just said he was comedic brilliance. But yeah, they played tackle football on the street, and I remember that being a thing. I don't remember how long the games lasted. I I would imagine not very long, but I remember that being a thing. Like they did this. And we would watch. They were pretty rough and tumble kids. I don't know if they had really troubled home lives or whatever. But there were also periods in my life where these kids really bullied me as well. So it wasn't – these were pretty tough characters, pretty tough customers. And I remember this whole story is based around the first time I've ever saw and heard somebody get punched in the face. Now, think about when you're watching a classic movie, even a Western, you hear that, you know, that. Psht. This is the first time I ever heard that sound in real life and saw somebody get punched, like knocked out. So something happened where this guy, Eric, around the block did something to piss somebody off. And the older, not my friend Tommy, but the older guy, Tom, just hauled off and punched him right in the jaw. And I remember hearing, you know, seeing and hearing that sound and just being like having like a visceral reaction to it. Like a, of like even making a sound of myself like, oh, like <laughs> like, a, Ooh, like type of thing, like somebody's got punched in the face. It's funny, but it's not funny because that's the first time I ever saw that to the point where I didn't even realize that that punching sound was a real sound like that punching sound you hear in the movies, that's what it really sounds like when somebody gets punched in the face. I never realized that before. Yeah. Because I was probably anywhere between seven and nine years old when I first saw that. So that's another shout out to Corey. No, it wasn't Tom that punched that guy Eric in the face. It was Corey. So who I was friends with at that point. Ever since the whole Corey bullying thing where I kept running in my friend Tommy's house, I never never had another problem with Corey. So I give an honorable mention to that one. And the last story I want to talk about, Kyle, I think you inspired me to sort of change it up. And talk about, hopefully you guys think this is funny, but there's this place on Long Island called Old Bethpage Village. And it's a little thing in the incorporated town of Bethpage where kids from various school districts, when you were in school, elementary school or intermediate school, went. And picture like a a little slice of a little house on the prairie. You went there to learn about what they did in the olden days, you know, how they cooked, how they made things, how they lived. You know, like a little old west, old timey village, and the people dressed up in character, you know, the women would dress in bonnets and old school dresses, and the guys would dress in derbies and you know, almost like an Amish type vibe, but it wasn't Amish. It was just trying to show you what like it colonial was, what life was like in colonial times. So I frigging dreaded this place. First of all, it seemed like we went on field trips to this place every year. And it was the most boring thing imaginable. For some reason, there was a rule that you could only go when it was above 90 degrees out, apparently. (laughs) Right? There was some kind of written, unwritten rule that you could only go when it was extremely hot outside. There was no trees and no shade in this place. And you would stand outside and watch a demo of how candles were made how they made derbies or how they churned butter. Apparently, there was a rule that they had to go on about each detail for two hours <laughs> while you were standing, sh- standing in the beating sun, sweat like feeling like you were going to burst into flames more or less. Like you feel like you were going to get incinerated. The only sort of light at the end of the tunnel was you knew you were going to get a treat at the end. Like you knew you were going to get like one of those candy sticks. Like picture a lollipop without the stick and the ball on top. It was just like a candy stick and like maybe another tree oh and birch beer right so by the time you were done with this six hour you know this <laughs> this six hour panel the grueling thing about now you know how to make candles now you know how about you know we made our own hats and you knew how we churned butter and picked our crops and everything and this here's a little you know anecdote about the general store you know right. how we kept eggs from getting bad you know going bad and stuff like that it felt like it was all day, they would reward you with a, a, literally a thimble-sized Dixie cup full of birch beer that was warm, and your candy stick. So if you got that through that, that was the reward. But I always remember really feeling like, can we please just stay here and do math? Can we please not do this field trip? It was horrifying, and I always make dad laugh about those stories. And it feels like we went every single year up through like junior high school, you know, and it was it never changed. It was like, yes, we get it. I knew you told me about this in first grade. Now I'm in seventh. (laughs) Like it was fine. By the time I was in third grade, I had gotten it already. You know what I mean? You can't buy me off with birch beer and a candy stick anymore. You know what I mean? I felt so sick every time I left that place. Like, oh my God. Like we were sunburned. You know, we <laughs> you had steak. lost three pounds. Pretzel, was
0: there like a pretzel or something? that Maybe steak? they gave
1: you, yeah, they gave you a pretzel and birch beer. So that, cause I thought not make you any more thirsty. You know, you, I had a, like a beautiful Sam, like turkey sandwich with mayonnaise. How can that have been good? I was, I've just been standing in the sun for six hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? We we're going to eat lunch on the way home and it never changed. And apparently it's still around. I think Dana, our sister Dana and Derek took their kids last year. When they went out to visit dad, they shot up to Beth Page And I, I was like, why? Why are, you, why are you torturing a whole new generation of children? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I can't believe it's still a thing. I can't even imagine. We were pretty patient and good kids collectively, I think, our, my generation. And even 10 years later with your generation. I can't even imagine kids standing there for six hours and going through this now. Kids today? Oh, it's unbelievable. I can't even imagine.
0: Do you remember the, at Bellport High School going to the auditorium and they're having like assemblies like where they would invite random people or random groups to talk to you or to do things yeah absolutely and i remember, yeah of course. this is such a Bellport high school thing no one's gonna i don't think anyone's gonna appreciate this but it's so me, emblematic of Bellport high school there was like this over here this, this group that were like kind of like doing tricks and talking to you about drugs and all this kind of stuff and like juggling and i remember oh, that type of thing i remember <laughs> i remember this I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know that what they knew what school they were at. And I think I was like a junior or a senior when this happened. But okay. and I was like sitting like in the cheap seats basically just like fucking around. Right. Or hanging out and like, you know, being quiet and just watching and kind of waiting for this to be over. But I remember the guy would like juggle and would like say a word and then throw the ball in into the crowd. And then the guy would throw the ball back oh <laughs> into God. the crowd. And he would keep going. I remember one guy just <laughs> fucking pelted the ball at him. <laughs> Throwing it back at him really yeah, like hard. literally 80 miles an hour. <laughs>
1: that sounds like yeah maybe cut down the participation in this in this particular school maybe we'll just keep everything on the stage i remember
0: it was like it went, like went a few times where it was like three he did one and he got it back and then did another one and got it back <laughs> so just fucking darts the ball out of him. <laughs> that's that's brilliant you feel that's bad for the performer but it's it's a for sure but it's a it's uh you welcomed it people can't imagine what going to that school was like oh man it was unbelievable it was it was horrible it, was, it really it was. It was a horrible school. A horrible school. I used
1: to think it was a, I don't, you know, I don't mean to disparage it too much and make people feel fucking bad, but disparage. I used to think that it was a sucks. middling school district, but I know what a middling school district is now because we have some of those in Pennsylvania and this was not a
0: middling school district, you know? And it's funny because it produces like, there was always smart and good kids in these schools. Oh, it absolutely. A, it was a big school district, but the quality of education and just the fucking absentee administration at that school was a marvel to behold. It dude. was Unbelievable. But like, you're
1: right. There were really smart kids. Like, I could speak to my generation and Dana's class in particular, too. Like, there were really smart kids in those
0: classes. It was a tale of multiple worlds and a tale of, like, depending on what teachers you got and stuff like that. But yeah. I feel like everyone that went there, everyone that went there got a little bit of Bellport in them. Absolutely. You got,
1: we got to own that for ourselves.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, that was no exception to the rule for sure. I did my fair share of sh- dumb shit. But I remember that like it was fucking yesterday.
1: You know, it's funny, man. We could do a whole nother episode. Of, I mean, I have all, all my misadventures just skateboarding. You know that we there's so many we could do, well, maybe we'll do another we'll see how people like it and maybe sure. we could do another episode in the future
0: sure that sounds great because I I, I was thinking about yeah we did tell the I remember being with you when you got in trouble skating once when I was really young It's super Saver, but I think we talked about that at on the skateboarding episode we did yeah there are a lot of stories a lot of angles I also don't want to know I don't also don't know how far we want to go in terms of telling some of these stories either right so right like, right some of them are a little crazy
1: the really crazy stuff
0: yeah but growing up is funny I don't want to almost these kind of topics are almost traps because it, you tell so many stories that would come up in other circumstances true as
1: well. yeah stories will just come up naturally too in episodes like you we talked about how much you and pj thought it would be a good idea to throw hamburgers off the roof deck of my apartment at my neighbors. yeah i didn't i just and get us evicted yeah i just almost get us evicted
0: i just don't remember doing that you know it's i just hilarious the stories about pj like when he's driving i don't even know if we can tell any oh of those stories God. pj yeah yeah, Maybe we'll save it for a PJ episode. Yeah, we should do PJ. A very a special PJ, PJ uh, episode. Uh, yeah. You know, he won't even think half of it's crazy. He's like, that's not crazy. <laughs> well, we already did the, the letters from the audience, so I guess we're going to wrap it up here.
1: Yeah, let's do it. You want to do a lightning round? Yeah, let's do the lightning round. I'm actually jumping on a plane, you guys, very shortly. Get in the plane. Don't jump on it. I'm not going to jump on it. It's very I'm cold not, up there. I'm scared enough on planes. I'm not going to jump on it. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, so. Preschool or elementary
0: school? I don't even... Well, that's not true. I remember preschool.
1: I remember you in preschool. You were adorable. Belport Methodist.
0: Methodist, yeah. You were so cute. It's funny because I remember my one memory of that is I have a picture of me with my class there and one of the teachers has this green sweatshirt on with like a, a graphic of like a windmill and like an airplane or something and then I remember seeing sandy duncan wearing that sweatshirt in hogan family and oh. that's and that's my connection to that very interesting <laughs> but i would i'm gonna go with ele- i'm gonna go with elementary school. or was it kindergarten or, or is it preschool el- or elementary school elementary school, elementary mean, school brookhaven elementary, elementary school was a legendary time in the life of you Colin were a Moriarty. brookhaven beaver i was a beaver that's right and it's never mind <laughs> <laughs> good thinking <laughs> Good you just stop right there. I think I already had the anecdote about the man dressed up as a Care Bear masturbating. So I think we'll just leave it at that. That for the wave. This particular <laughs> that's wave. good for that wave. You've done. En- you've done enough. So do we go on the playground swings or slide? Swings. Although I was scared of swings, and you know I have a lot of memories of being mm-hmm. at grandma's house and going to the what was that school? That elementary school down the street. That on? was Meadow Creek Drive. Meadow Creek Drive and Meadow Drive. Meadow Drive. That must have been two acres or more of land. With, that was that, a big yard. It was yard. fucking huge. It was vast. Now I used to play hockey on like the. I, I told the story. I think about how I used to play hockey there and with older kids, and I and it was when we, there were gatorade bottles were still glass. Yeah, and I would shoot pucks at them, and then one of them went almost into my eye, yes. and I got I got sliced up. You did. And yeah. those, those but, but swings were great, though. Those were that was when I learned how to use swings and like pump and do all those kinds of things. It also had that like that big dome thing that I can't even imagine yeah. or any those that thing bars? is a death that thing is a death machine.
1: You know what Colin's talking about, guys? those It's like a half-sphere metal monkey bars, but each thing is bolted together to form like a triangle. Right.
0: The, those, yeah, those are huge. Those, those can't be a thing anymore.
1: No. I remember being scared of it when I was little, but I always had to do it anyway. And that was when the swings were high. You know, Picture that big, high, like 12-foot metal frame, and the chains were really long so that the swing would arc really far out. Those were so fun. They, they were fun, but it was, like that uh, anyway. I remember
0: those swings, I, I don't think gravity would allow, but like it almost felt like you were going to go in a complete circle. And yeah, I remember, yeah, yeah. I remember if you got really high on those long chain swings, you would start to get slack. Yeah. Where it would like you get high and then it would fall and yes. then swing back and you were like, okay, I'm about to fucking die. Yeah. And you have to like chill out, you know, That's a great and put way your feet to... in the sand when you come back. So that, like you, <laughs> You lose a little momentum, right? So you could slow. Yourself but, but I down. loved, I loved that particular playground because it was huge, and it was guys. I'm telling you, it was a couple acres big, it and it was huge. just, it was just a massive empty space in between it where people would play baseball and football and stuff. And yeah. then on the other side, where I what was what I think was the original playground. that was against like people's houses that were like this really beautiful wood and like actually like really quite a lot of craftsmanship actually in those particular things but it was so far away like it would take you like five minutes to walk across yeah it was like two separate playgrounds yeah it was pretty cool
1: yeah that in between was so big that guys would drive golf balls there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, that was a thing. You people would go there on the weekends and drive golf balls. Yeah, It was a big one.
0: They weren't like me in our old neighborhood in Brookhaven, where I would take golf balls out of a bucket and hit them with a with an aluminum baseball bat. They <laughs> those things would go in a fucking orbit. Have you? Did you ever try to? Do you ever do that? Did I? Ever, no. Me and Mike and Cody or whatever like would take like going towards the water. Yeah, would yeah, like, yeah. Take a golf ball and a an aluminum baseball bat. Those things you would they would be gone. Oh my god! Fucking that's, gone. Now dude. I want to do that. And every once in a while, you would just like every cause we had the trip, like everyone would be quiet like after it hit, and then sometimes you hear like. <laughs> like hit so much roof or something. Like that. <laughs> it's another one of those like what were you thinking kind of situations. Right. Who like, knows who you could have killed. But we had like buckets of these things we would do. They probably all are in Great you South Bay right now. You probably some fishermen <laughs> along the way. It was, I just remember like looking at the ball. It would like disappear.
1: Oh my God. You know that's I mean? hilarious. <laughs> that reminds me of playing stickball with the pink sponge balls. Mm-hmm. And the older kids in the neighborhood literally would hit it. If you remember Kyle, Neighbor Avenue in Medford. Let's say we were playing down around where Tommy's house was that was home plate. So you're playing down towards what was that? So Woodside was out there. I swear to God they would hit the ball over the block, over the houses, over Woodside and into the following neighborhood. That's how far these balls went. And they were like eleven year old kids. You know, those sponge balls. Yeah,
0: unbelievable. That was awesome. And the handball. Turns out golf balls were not meant to be hit with aluminum <laughs> baseball bats. <laughs> Catching fireflies or burning ants? I never burnt, I never did the burning ants thing. I remember doing that. But I did catch fireflies, yeah. Catching fireflies was fun. And I'm not saying that you were wrong in burning the ants. I think no, I, I remember do that. Doing I just that, never though. did
1: it. I remember going through a big phase where we were doing the magnifying glass thing. This actually works?
0: Yeah, it's a little cruel. When you think it's pretty, You're like incinerating them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's mean as shit. Okay, tag or hide and seek?
0: Ghost in the Graveyard.
1: Oh, well done. I forgot about ghosting. Or Greenfield. what we would
0: start calling it when we got older. What was the other name for it? Manhunt. Oh, Manhunt.
1: My kids play Manhunt in the neighborhood. See, my kids still play Manhunt. The older kids in the neighborhood
0: are in our neighborhood. I get Brickha- frightened to death. But uh, on, no, Marie, in- on Marie Court in Brookhaven, Manhunt was fucking serious. It always would happen when Tim would have a party. Like oh, okay. the, you know how they used to have a lot of parties there? Like family yeah, and friends they did. would come they over. Definitely... They had like a few parties a summer and Yeah. they would invite us. And we, and then everyone would kind of wait until dusk and like the kids would kind of gather or kids you never saw before, kids you'd never see again. The only safe spots were like the six stoops of the six houses. I know, isn't that There were six houses in our, we had like a huge cul de and there were houses. six houses and it was just, the stoops were safe and everything else was like fair game and people would be gone for hours. You know, like I, loved, I loved Ghost in the Graveyard. That's dude. awesome.
1: I forgot about calling it Ghost in the Graveyard. That's awesome. That's fun. Yeah, those are good memories. Just staying out all night. Duck, duck, goose or heads up seven up?
0: I don't know that I ever really actually played duck, duck, goose. No, no. So not I'll go heads up seven up. Heads up seven up was so fun. Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Although I didn't come. I like hot dogs. I did not come around to the hot dog until I was an adult. I always felt like the hamburger was so superior. Yeah, it that is. is. It's like why would you ever want a hot dog if you can have a hamburger?
1: I think the hot dog you have second if you have room after sure. the cheeseburger,
0: right? I say you have two cheeseburgers. Oh, Fuck that, touche. Yeah, and if you're like me, you can get it on an everything bagel at the diner. I was quite taken by that combination. Never Good. heard of that. Good, we'll bring it home. <laughs> <laughs> hamster or goldfish? Goldfish. My friends had hamsters, but I never had one, and never I never really wanted one. I don't want mammals unless they're cats or dogs. The the. <laughs> but I had I had multiple fish that you know mom as an adult told me that I was like. Man, I had goldfish that lasted for years and mom would be like, I just replaced them that like literally 7,000 times. I had Destro, I had Cobra Commander. Oh,
1: I'm, God, I remember Destro.
0: I had Dr. Mindbender. And then I started <laughs> when I was older and I knew it was funny when I was in middle school. I named them like Cloud Car Pilot and like all these weird things, you know? <laughs> First of all, Dr. Mindbender might be the best name for a goldfish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think the three of them were Cobra Commander, which is an amazing name, Destro and Dr. Mindbender. I, I don't know if anyone's fish. ever going to beat that. That's too good. Now, I'm interested in this one with you, Cos. Wait, wait, real quick up. before you go. Yeah, wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't Mindbender be a great name for like a cat or a dog too? Especially a cat. Like I think a, you got to have the doctor in there. Yeah. Well, yeah but you, you, I think a cat, a perfect cat name would be Dr. Mindbender. Absolutely. Please do that. <laughs>
1: we'll just forget all Lola that. Lola
0: Russian Mindbender. That's, you can't go wrong with Dr.
1: Mindbender. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Good. I don't know how you're going to answer this because you're not a sweet guy, but I'm interested. Ice cream cone or snow cone?
0: I don't like snow cones. I would go with ice cream cone. Ice cream? I, I like vanilla ice cream. Oh, you do? Yeah. Vanilla ice cream with whipped cream or nuts or sprinkles. I'm totally fine with that. Oh, okay. I, I would know. never like go out of my way for it. but I've never eat seen
1: it. you eat ice cream in my life. Either.
0: I mean, a lot of that reminds me of Ground Round, which is a whole other uh, series of memories. Yeah. It was a real treat when we would go to this restaurant chain on Long Island. I think they were in Connecticut and New Jersey, maybe yeah, too. Yeah, they were around. I don't know that they exist anymore, but we used to go to Ground Round on Fridays, like maybe once a month or something like that. And it was a real, like when my dad was home, it was a real treat. They had like a Neo Geo machine and the Simpsons arcade game and all that. Yeah. You'd always go, you couldn't make reservations. It was always packed. So, like, you would have to go and wait. For your table, but once you sat down, then they served you popcorn. They served the table popcorn, then you order your entrees, and at the you would get ice cream Sundays at the end of dinner. Like if you wanted dessert in these plastic baseball hats, yeah, and we had like so many of them, and you wouldn't get like Yankees or Mets. You would get like. Whoever. whoever and it was kind of cool it was exciting i remember getting a phillies one with so that old many. like magenta phillies logo yeah 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 and i remember you know i remember getting like a mets one and being like uh, i want yeah, this yeah the mets one but you kept them and i remember them being in the basement like all next to each other we and had a bunch yeah, we, i think we probably almost had a complete collection but i don't probably we didn't have the expansion teams or anything like that but yeah we, yeah i remember that so anyway. that was cool that's a good memory i still love that place okay snowball fight or snowman snowball fight the winter of 2000 i think it was in the 2001 was really bad on the island and I remember my friends Mike and Cody and me and Brian built this ma- major snowman in the middle of the road. No right. one was going anywhere. And right, then right. a school bus came and just fucking plowed right through it. I'll what? never like I'll never forget it as long as I live. You know how like dad lives on that little hill that goes down? <gasps> yeah. Like it was a big snowman. It was like this imposing thing or whatever, but I remember this I remember we were just sitting there, and this bus just came and fucking plowed right into it. Do you it. think he saw it? I'm sure he must have.
1: <laughs> he just he right was just through like, it. fuck
0: this shit. You know, like ran the snowman over. That makes it, that would have been amazing. I would have thought that was hysterical. We were in eleventh grade at the time, or something. Like we definitely thought that that was funny. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who's driving the bus,
1: PJ? That's so weird. <laughs> All right, let's wrap it up. Twenty-five degrees
0: outside, or ninety-five degrees outside? Twenty-five degrees, definitely. You're going for the colder. Definitely. I hate That's your I roots. hate the heat, dude. Because you can adjust. It is so much easier to adjust to cold than it is to adjust to heat. Uh, some people listening to this that are Canadian or live in New, New England or whatever know what it is to live in that climate. I lived in I lived in Maine. I lived in New Hampshire. I lived in Boston for five years. You want to see a fucking winter? Yeah. An urban winter? Go to Boston. Perpetual cold also. Like, it was comical, dude. And when you live in those environments, you just learn how to adapt. I mean, I'm telling you, Northeastern was so cold that there were tunnels underneath all the buildings. You never had to go outside. And unless you had to, like, cross Huntington Avenue to go, like, to dorms or any, anything like that. It was so... Cold. It wasn't even funny. So when you learn how to live in that, I mean, and go to Montreal or Toronto, no, it you know, and, and it's like not even fucking cute. It makes total. <laughs> you know, but you can. It's so easy as long as you have a jacket. Like you layer up enough and it's fine. Right. But man, if it's ninety five degrees out, good luck.
1: All right, Kyle. Last one.
0: You making money as a kid? Lemonade stand or chores? I did both, but I would I would go with chores. It was a reliable thing. I remember Dad would give me twenty dollars to mow the lawn. I think I got ten dollars for like you know doing the baseboards and dusting. I was all about. I never. It always bothers me especially with Dane and Ali when they say how spoiled I was. I don't really agree with that at all. I don't agree with that. At all. I know they say it a lot to bust my balls and I I was certainly more <laughs> spoiled than you guys. By the way, you guys had a normal childhood and I didn't. So that might have something to do with that as well. Might have a little bit to do with it. But I never really expected to just get money. I did expect that if I wanted to work, I would be able to work and get money. Right. right so like right. there were things where dad would be like, "I have nothing for you to do and I have no money to give you." But I would never just go like give me ten dollars, give me twenty dollars. I always was willing to work. That's cool. That's a good philosophy. I could see that And be... by the time I was fourteen, I, I've had a job my entire life since I was fourteen years old. Yeah, yeah. So it's not like You
1: made your own cheddar.
0: I could never relate to people that either got things handed to them or didn't want to work or being too complacent or lazy. I remember how life changing it was when I had a when I finally had money. Even not a lot of money. Like when I worked at the stables, I'd make like twenty five dollars a day and I work like two days a week. I had like fifty dollars and then I'd go on eBay and buy video games. And that was back in the day before PayPal when you had to like send people checks and shit. Yeah.
1: It was a little more complicated back then.
0: But it was like a life-changing thing. I, I always at least had something. And I remember when I broke my shoulder right before 9-11 that – or my collarbone that I had like $500 squirreled away and I had to make that last for you know, four months before I go back to work. And I did. You just made it happen. That's a lot of discipline for a young guy. People that – I just don't understand this like mentality of like having no money or like willingly having no money. Right, right, about. right. Like, you would have to – I would be horrified if I didn't have money. <laughs> 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 well, that's it, Dagan.
1: Nice one, my friend. Good this is the last
0: topic of Wave 4. It was good to see you. You're about to get on a plane. I know. We're about to go and uh, get these things edited as well, but we'll be recording more. So you know, if you want to support us on Patreon, we'll you'll get an early update on what the new topics will be and be able to submit those questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, and ideas. We appreciate that. Also, early access on Patreon. Please consider supporting us there. It really does mean a lot to us. But otherwise, give us nice reviews on free feeds like iTunes and Stitcher and all of those because it helps us find a new audience. You better. Dig. safe travels back to Philadelphia. Thank you, Colin. You'll, you'll be back here in October? I'll be back in Rocktober. For Way 5, sorry.
1: I can't wait. I can't wait. And nope. thank you, everybody, for listening, as always. Of course. You guys are the bestest.
0: They are. They're fantastic. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for your love and kindness. We'll see you next time. Bye. Colin's Last Stand Knockback is fan-supported over at patreon.com slash Stand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and I want to thank you from the very bottom of my heart for your incredible kindness and generosity. Martin Beck Fred Bentz Michael Betts Eric Bishop David Blodel, Mark Boggio Spencer Brand Isaac Brewer Lennon Brixey Matthew Brousseau Josh Bushing Austin Bullock Andrew Burkhart Dylan Burns Alex Cabrera Brian Cacciatolo Will Caldwell Jason Camargo Luis Cancato William O'Carroll Matthew Carter William Cashel Brian Chand Travis Chandler Sean Chandler Kenneth Char David Chestnut Steve Clifford Simon Conception Jr. Brad Cooley Cutter Crow Nick Cummings Daniel D'Amour Daniel D'El Travis Depew, Mitchell Durkash David Ellis Albert Escobar Brian Fink Joe Finelli Eric Finkenbeiner, Stefano Fontana Fotios Frangos, Connor Gazian, Alexander Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem Alganem, Daniel Glassford, Tyler Goodwin David S. Graham, Josh Gravelick, Ryan Greenwood, Miranda Grubba, Andres Guzman Tyler Harris, Asa Haas, Azan Isa Al-Raisi, Josh Yeager, Paul Joyce Greg Julius, Jeremy Key, John Clott, Kevin Komaki, Taylor Christian Laudren, Christian Larson, Jackson Lastuka, Donald Laws, Joe Lawson, Don Q. Lee, Ashlyn Lee, Anthony Lencioni, Patrick Leslie Dustin Lewis, Keith Adrian Lewis, Chad Lewis, Mark Liberto, Aaron Litwiller, Lewis, Ray Loper, Josh M, Ryan T. Mandel, Joe McPartland, Wyatt McVeigh, Albert Miranda, Patrick Malloy, Betty Ann Moriarty, Abe Mukhtar, Brian Nietzsche, Josh Netzel, Adam Nix, Brian Ott, Jorge Palomino, Todd Paxson, Brendan Peavy, Marius Scarson peterson Enrique Perez, Eric A. Peterson, Jason Pettit, Lawrence F. Prokop, Eric R. Pryor, Michael Renner, Peter Reynolds, Jonathan Rice, Toby D. Riemenschneider, Austin Riley, Ramon Rodriguez Jr., Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Matthew Savoy, John Schultz, Chris Schaefer, Toby Schutman, Riley Smith, Gerard Stouave, Stephen Summinget, Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Tam Tran, Dan Vale, Adam Van Kuren, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Dade Michael, Edward Went, Mike Wayne, Tyler Woodall, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Casual Misfits Gaming, Supershot Shot ST, Madmock Media, Beric, Mubarak, Richter86, Dav9834, Chris, Wyatt Henry, Donk2015, and Random Guy Radio.